Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy Monday to you. Big Sills National Football Show. I appreciate everybody coming aboard. What an incredible time in the world of sports. Really is, man. I mean... There is so much going on in the world of sports. Politics colliding a little bit today as well. Not going to start to show off on that. I'm going to save that little tidbit for all the people out there that wanted to move the Major League Baseball All-Star game out of Atlanta. I'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. I first want to start it off by doing this. Please tell me this. Are the Indianapolis Colts needling Carson Wentz? Are they needling Carson Wentz? So Frank Reich today added Nick Foles to the roster in Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, Wentz last week made a comment saying, I don't know where these comments from Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, came from. I thought we were in a good place. And Carson was like, I was shocked. And all of a sudden today, Frank Reich and the Colts, their backup quarterback is Nick Foles and Indy. I don't know, man. I It just seems, hey, it just seems like, you know, it's it's a shot. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Jim Mersey, I think is pretty pissed, okay? <laughs> I think he's pretty pissed that they signed. I don't, I don't know what this means for Frank Reich, okay? But I got to tell you something, man. This is another little gut punch. I'd rather have Nick Foles on the Colts instead of Carson Wentz. I'll take the dude that carried the Eagles to the Super Bowl before I'll have you on the team. That's Jim Irsay. That's got to be Jim Irsay's guy. Okay? I don't think Chris Ballard just went, hey, what do you think? Do we just bring in Nick Foles? I mean, you really think Frank Wright? And Chris Ballard, the GM, went, hey, you know, I think this is a good idea. How about the owner going, how about getting Foles? I mean, (laughs) hey, man, what an absolute shot. Incredible, right? Just incredible, man. I appreciate you guys coming aboard. Hey, thank you so much, Greg, for coming in. Hey, thank you so much, Clayton. By the way, please hit the like button. We got a power pack show today. In hour number two, 4.30 Eastern time, Gary Cobb, Fox 29. And then in hour number three, Philadelphia legend, 
Sports talker, he was on with Angelo the other day, and he was spectacular on WIP. The legendary Tony Bruno is going to join us. That'll be at 5.30 Eastern time. By the way, the week is set up. Brian Westbrook will join us on Wednesday. Seth Joyner tomorrow at 3.30. So we got it packed up for the next couple days, and we appreciate everybody coming aboard here. I find it crazy. You know, just before I get ready to come on, I'm like this. Hey, man. So wait, Nick. Nick Foles is now a Colt. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Nick Foles and Matty Ice. That is a pretty good quarterback room, though. It is. It, it makes sense. And by the way, there was even rumors out there that the Eagles had some interest. People at the Inquirer were saying that there was some interest by the Eagles to bring Nick Foles into the room. But I don't think they wanted to run that thing back. I think Jalen would have been totally cool with it. But, um, hey, I'm just saying, man, that's just a Jim Irsay gut punch. All right, let's get into some of the topics here. By the way, we got another list. You know that I'm notorious for lists. I love lists. We are going to rank the top 32 NFL head coaches. Where do you think your boy Nick Sirianni or your favorite coach sit in the Big Sills top 32 head coaches. Now, again, this is all with the personnel of today. This is all with the quarterback that you have in the building. This is all with everybody that you have around the room in your roster, your general managers, your assistant coaches. This is all about you being the head football coach of your respected football team. So we'll do that. But before we do that, and, and by the way, expectations in Philly are exceptional. They are exceptional right now. I said it last week, and I'll continue to say it, and I'm not going to move off unless there's some catastrophic injury. I got the Eagles winning the NFC. I got them winning the NFC. Where do you think I ranked Nick Sirianni as the top 32 coaches in the NFL? These are the elite jobs in the world. Only 32 men in the world have these gigs. Where do you think your boy Sirianni ranks? I got that for you here. All right. I got a Howie Roseman topic. Boy, man, he's done a hell of a job. Let's bury the lead there. He's done a hell of a job in constructing this roster. Xander said it last week, and I'll emphasize it again. How he can't put a helmet on, can't put a headset on, can't coach the team. All he can do is construct the team. He can help out in hiring assistant coaches. He can help out in hiring NFL head coaches. He can help out on every single thing that surrounds the team. But the number one thing he can't do is walk the sidelines or get out there in between the hash marks and play. Can't. So, in theory, he's done his job. Let me ask this question. Does Howie Roseman have too much power now? Pretty much we would say this, right? Howie's in charge of everything now in Philly. Everything. Hiring of assistant coaches, hiring of head coaches, putting the roster together. Make no mistake about it. Howie Roseman is in complete control of the football team. NFC East Beast, he's right, man. I gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. Hey, I got you one, Angie. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
But here's the difference here. Howie, the last two years, has done a great job in drafting. He's done a great job in getting rid of some dead money, Carson Wentz. He's done a great job at finding a second-round quarterback. He's done a great job at finding a coach as of now that took a team to the postseason, and I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he did with Jalen Hurts last year. Let's put it this way, too, about Nick Sirianni and the hiring of what Howie Roseman did. Bottom line here is this, right? Hey, Nick Saban didn't think that Jalen Hurts could quarterback his football team, but Nick Sirianni took a quarterback that got his team into the postseason. Does Howie have too much control of your team? Too much power, but he's doing a way better job, says Dog. As long as the fans keep bad Howie in check, says Paul. Craig says, no problem. Okay? Eric says, Howie in control? Good. If he blows up, we know who to be and hold accountable. Eric, that's a great take. Xander, put Eric up there. Eric, yes. Eric's right. Can't blame the quarterback. You can't blame the coach. Howie Roseman, do we all agree, has complete control of the football team. He has been given complete control of the team. There's no one else to blame. There's no Doug Petersons. There's no Carson Wentz's. If Jalen Hurts fails, that was Howie's call. If Nick Sirianni fails, that's Howie's call. If A.J. Brown blows up, that's Howie's call. If Devontae Smith never pans out, that's Howie's call. When you take that kind of control of a football team and all 53 men that are on the roster, including the coaching staff, Howie Roseman is completely in the bullseye. His face is in the bullseye. There's no one else to blame. You see, you know what you had before? Doug Peterson and Howie, you didn't really know who to blame for the meltdown of Wentz. You didn't really know. Was it the owner meddling? Was Howie meddling too much on the Thursday roster on who was going to play on Sunday, on the actives and inactives on Thursdays when the injury report came out, right? All that stuff was out there for everybody to interpret. There's no interpreting anything now, right? Eric, right? There's no interpreting anything. This is Howie's team. This is not Nick Sirianni's team. The head coach, like, watch this. And I'm trying to think, is that what today's NFL is? I don't really think Sean McVay, that's his team. I think that's all of the Rams. Kevin Demoff, Les Snead, and Sean McVay. I think Sean wanted... Matthew Stafford, and wanted to upgrade the quarterback position. And I think those other two gentlemen in the Rams organization went out and got the guy he wanted. Or went out and got the guy he needed, maybe. As long as he keeps drafting SEC in the first round, I'm okay with all the power, says Jalen. 
Flex says, I think Nick is the right coach, but I'm not sold on Hurts. Yeah, but Flex, this is a Howie decision. If it fails, it's his co- This will be the second quarterback he failed on. He failed on Wentz, and that means he'll fail on Jalen. The one position that he's not been able to get right has been the quarterback position. If Jalen Hurts fails, this is on Howie Roseman. It's not on the head coach. It's on Howie, 100%. He is in 100%. First off and foremost, do we all agree that Howie's Howie's 100% in control of this team? Maybe that's the question I didn't get a response yet from. You guys all agree. Nobody else has the power Howie has with the Eagles. By the way, here on May 23rd, I'm not suggesting that's the wrong thing because the last couple years he's been spectacular. We all agree here. Right? We all agree here that he is, he's in complete control. How he's not, and he's not shy about it. He hasn't been shy at all about it. Jalen says how he thinks it was his Super Bowl and not Doug Peterson's Super Bowl. How he thinks he made Doug Peterson into the coach that he is. Jalen, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Chris, I think how he's grabbed more control since he got that three-year contract extension, in my opinion. Make no mistake about it. How he's got more control now of the football team, and that's been placed at his feet by the owner. Okay? He's got a lot of power. But we also know who to blame now. So does he have too much power? As long as he keeps. Now, here's the thing, too. Nine and eight is not getting it done. Four, 11 and one the year previous is not getting it done. Let's not let's not get over the fact here that the Eagles. I know we have these great expectations this year for this team. But the bottom line is they've won 13 games in the last two years. That's not going to get it done. That's got to be an exceptional season this year. Okay? He's got to have an exceptional season. Chris is right. 3,100 yards is not going to get it done. I say this, though, Chris. If he has 25% increase of what he did a year ago, that might be enough to get you to the NFC Championship game. I really believe that. So I don't think Howie has too much power for the team. But the one thing is for sure, we're going to now know who to blame. We're going to now know who to blame. All right. By the way, I wrote down to my top five defensive rookie of the year candidates. You think N'Kobe Dean is going to be in that list? I'll tell you, we'll do that a little bit later on as well. So I've wrote my five top guys down that I think are going to be the top five candidates to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year award, okay? Um, Well, I'll let you guys know. All right. I wrote down the top 32 NFL head coaches. These are my power rankings 
for the top 32 coaches in the NFL going into this year with the personnel that they have. Where do you think Nick Sirianni is on this list? Let's start it. Number 32, Minnesota Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, I think he's going to bring a good offensive knowledge to what they've been lacking. Look, I love Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's more of a defensive guy, special teams type of guy. I believe that Kevin is going to be one of the guys that's going to catapult his name up this list. But he's a first-year head coach. First-year head coaches in the NFL first have to win the locker room. Okay? First have to win the locker room for me to give them any kind of equity. You know, you guys have to believe and trust in you before you are one of these top 20 guys. Number 31, Dennis Allen. His first go-around was not very good. I think Dennis Allen actually has a pretty good roster in New Orleans. I just don't think he's a very good head football coach. And I think in today's NFL, when you have a defensive-minded guy like that, you've got to have a really good offensive coaching staff, and you really have to have a great coaching staff. Look, if Drew Brees was the quarterback in the building and Dennis Allen got this job, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with this. But to me, um, I, I, I just don't think Dennis Allen is a very good head football coach. Now, let me say this to you. Um, Mike Shanahan sucked his first job. Bill Belichick sucked his first job. There's been numerous guys who have had really, you know, crazy starts to their coaching career. And then once they get the second opportunity, they really prosper and learn from their mistakes. So that can happen. And again, these are how I'm seeing it here on May 23rd, okay? So what's up, Omar? Appreciate you doing this. Number 30, Brian Dayball, Giants. I think Brian did a spectacular job with Josh Allen, and I think he has got a great offensive mind. My question is, the Giant organization, it has just not been the same since Jerry Reese has been in the building and he was the general manager of that team when they were winning Super Bowls and they were going to playoffs every year and their draft was good. You know, Jerry Reese is no longer there. They went to... Dave Gettleman, that thing was a train wreck. They've got a brand-new general manager. I think Brian Dable could be another one of these coaches that could skyrocket up the list here. Maybe what we'll do is we'll revisit this, and we'll take a look at it after week eight. But to me right now, Brian Dable, I think he's a brilliant guy. But you're with the Giants, and you're with Daniel Jones. Okay? I mean, I I just – I I think he's good – but I think he's being put in a position that he can't win. Zach says most of these guys are better coordinators than head coaches. It's a fair comment, and it's true. Kyle says, I'd love to hear you interview Howie. First question I would ask Howie, I mean, what does Jalen Hurts have to do to keep the job for the next seven years? I don't know why he can't ask that question. Nobody in the Philadelphia media world asks that question. With all the people that have access to him and all the pressers he does, why doesn't anyone ask the question, how long does Jalen, what does Jalen have to do this year? How many wins? Are you sold on him? 
Why can't you ask that question? Why can't anyone ask that? They asked all, it was the national media, by the way, at the combines that asked the question about him. It wasn't any of the local media. No local media asked that question. Number 29, Dan Campbell. I think they're doing some good things in Detroit. I do. I think he's got a sorry-ass quarterback in Detroit. I think with the draft coming up next year with seven players that could be taken in the first round at quarterback, I think the Lions are going to be shopping. They'll get off that Jared Goff contract, and I think they move on unless something spectacular happens. I just don't see it. But I, I, I like Dan Campbell. I do too, Keith. Okay? I do. Keith, I like, I like the guy. But liking the guy and getting the results you need, right? I mean, that's Frank Vogel that. Frank Vogel wins an NBA championship with the Lakers. Two years later, he's fired. Or, yeah, two years later, he's fired. Number 28, Matt Rule. Sorry, David Tepper. That six, seven-year contract you gave him at 68 million bucks? Dude, I don't know. You know, he was decent at he was decent as a position coach in New York. And he had that one year at Baylor. And then David Tepper, who's like the richest owner in the NFL, believe it or not, the Carolina Panthers, he hires this guy and he gives him this six, seven year contract. And I was like, what has he done now to get that contract where you're making $10 million a year? Sorry, dude, I don't see it. His handling of the quarterback position has been atrocious. Um, The fact that the team looks worse today than it did when he took it over. How about this? You know that political question you always ask, are you better four years later? You think the Carolina Panthers are better off without Ron Rivera? Or you think they were better with Ron Rivera? I think they were better with Ron Rivera than they are here with Matt Rule. Number 27. These are the top 32 NFL coaches, according to Big Sills, my power rankings. Zach says you could be as likable as you want. You need to win in the NFL. Absolutely. Ask Rex Ryan that. Ask Rex Ryan. I got Robert Saley here at 27 with the Jets. I don't think he's very good. He's not showing me anything, okay? And because he's a minority, people in New York are afraid to question it. You know the greatest thing about sports, and especially my show, I don't give a shit what your color is, what your nationality is, what kind of sex you like? Who with who? Where you go and pray? I don't care. Are you a good coach? Can you coach tadpoles out of a lake? That's all I give a shit about. But you see, we have somehow collided with mainstream media that if you criticize, do you you want to hear something crazy? Do you want to hear something crazy? I was I was uh, criticizing, what was that kid's name up in Boston? David Price. You don't want to know what an activist said about me? David Price, you know how he jacks around on the hill sometimes? I covered, I covered David Price when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Because I was down there for 15 years in Tampa. I said this. 
This guy here, man, still jacking around on the hill. This is why he loses his momentum. This is why he loses his focus. And do you want to know what an activist said? He said I was picking on a black pitcher. And I was like, so we're not allowed to talk about Mike Tomlin? Not having a very good postseason record? That's what people are now getting to. It's ridiculous. Dave Chappelle can't tell any jokes without somebody having their panties in a bind. It's ridiculous. Number 26. I don't even know who this dude is with the Bears. Matt Eberfluss? Fluss? Who the hell is this guy? Some of these guys that get jobs, you know what? I'm not going to shit on them totally, but I'm going to shit on the Bears. The Bear, I, when's the last time the Bears were decent? When Lovey was there? Okay, what's when, when's the last time they were decent? You know, Lovey Smith had a winning record and they fired him. I mean, it's like the curse of Lovey. They are pathetic. You, when's the last quarterback that they developed? They've been drafting dudes like Cade McNown and Stiffs. Justin Fields. I mean, they cannot get anything right. They had Khalil Mack for about two years, and then the thing went south. Robert Quinn now wants out. Eastside Monster, I love Lovey too, man. I had a chance to know him in Tampa when he was on Dungy Staff. He's a hell of a man. W2, really. Rex Grossman got to a Super Bowl. I wonder, was Lovey the coach? Lovey was the coach of that team, wasn't he? Yeah, Jim McMahon was the last quarterback. And you want to hear something crazy about McMahon? He even played in Philly. McMahon in his 17 years never played a full 16-game NFL season because he was always injured. He was always hurt. Always. Number 25, Mike McDaniel, Dolphins. I'm hearing great reviews. Don't know shit about him. Okay? I, I, I got an innovative mind. I hear he does really great things. He's going to put these wide receivers in position. But here's a horse that hasn't raced in any race yet. And he's got one of these coveted jobs. Let's see what he does. Nathaniel Hackett. Here's what Nathaniel Hackett has going for him, unlike the rest of these first-year coaches. You know what they have going for him? You've got Russell Wilson. you got Russell Wilson. That's what covers, and that's why Nathaniel Hackett, this was the probably the best hire because you take a guy from the Green Bay Packers who dealt with Aaron Rodgers, and now you have a guy coming in who's Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett, unless Russell Wilson gets injured, Russ, Russell Wilson's going to have a great year, and they're going to kind of work together here the same way you see Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers working. So he's at number 24. Arthur Smith, don't know shit. Last year, decent, I guess. They won some ball games. But Arthur Smith could be fired at the end of this year. 22, I got Lovey Smith. Here's a really good football coach in a really shitty situation. It's terrible. Lovey Smith is the black guy hired in a poor program like you see all the time at the college level. Guy gets an opportunity to coach, but he gets to coach 
like um, Eagle Creek University. You know what I'm saying? Lovey's a quality man. Lovey's a spectacular guy. But Lovey Smith is in an unwinnable situation. If Lovey Smith wins six games this year and that shitstorm, Lovey Smith should be NFL Coach of the Year. I hope he really does a super job there. David Mills, Davis Mills is his quarterback. <laughs> okay. If you don't have a quarterback in this league, you can't win. Lovey's a great coach and a good human. And he is definitely something that that organization needs. I got Josh McDaniels at number 21, just outside the top 20. And I got him with the Raiders. His first go around with Denver sucked. He wasn't very good with personnel. He wasn't very good with the team. He lost the team at the end. Nobody had respect for him. And I love the fact that he addressed all those mistakes he made when he was in Denver. You know, at his hiring, he wasn't talking about what he's going to do. He was talking about what he was going to do better than what he did in Denver. And I like that. I think he went back. He dealt with Brady. He dealt with Mac Jones. I think he dealt with all the things that were surrounding the organization as it went through transition. He coached. Look at who he coached. McDaniel coached while he was up there in New England. He coached the Garoppolo's. He coached Brady. He coached Jacoby Brissett. He coached Nate Newton. Or, um, uh, he coached Newton. He coached Mac Jones. I mean, he's been and seen it all. I really hope that he really has a great situation there in Las Vegas, especially after what they came out of their situation here. All right. I'm going to do and finish up as we are now going to talk about the top 20. These are the top 32 NFL head coaches. 32 is Kevin O'Connell, Vikings. 31 is Dennis Allen, Saints. 30 is Brian Dable, Giants. 29 is Dan Campbell, Lions. Matt Rule is 28th, Panthers. Robert Saley, Jets, 27. 26 is Matt Eberflus, Bears. 25 is Mike McDaniel, Dolphins. 24 is Nathan Nathaniel Hackett, 24 with Denver. Arthur Smith is 23 with the Falcons. Lovey with the Texans is 22. Josh McDaniel's 21. We're going to finish up, and I'm going to give you the rest of the top 20 NFL head coaches. Where does Nick Sirianni rank in this conversation? So we will do that. Please hit the like button. Don't forget, folks, do me a favor. Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free. That means this. If you're hurt or injured on the job, there is nobody that you should choose other than Morgan & Morgan. They're the biggest casualty law firm in the United States. And no case is too small. There's no such thing as a fender bender when you're talking about getting the right attorney for you. Hey, for the people, it's not a slogan. It's who they are. It's what they do. Past 30 years, John Morgan and his team have done this for all of their clients to the tune of $13.5 billion in settlements. With over 800 attorneys in Philly, in New York, in Florida, and across the country, there's no firm that you'd want to have to go to battle with than Morgan & Morgan. Look, size matters. They're the biggest casualty firm, like I said. 
in the United States. The call is free, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The consultation is free, 800-512-1600. Open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And do me a favor, when you call Morgan & Morgan, tell them Big Sill sent you. When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. National Football Show. Do me a favor, guys. Please hit the like button. Before I finish up my top 32 here, NFL head coach, according to Big Sills, 
We're going to pick it up at the 20th head coach in the NFL. I want to show you something on how you should always make your own assessment and your own opinions on stuff. And it's prime example of how the media today tries to steal your, steer your judgment without any facts or anything here. Look, I'm not going to get political here, but I'm going to kind of be political here. So today, first off, do you remember in Georgia when everybody was complaining about the new voter laws that went into place? They said it was going to be Jim Crow 2.0, even the president of the United States. Joe Biden was calling the Georgia voting rules and laws that were instituted and voted on by Georgians as being Jim Crow. Media took it and just went crazy with it. Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game. Okay, They moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta in the year that Henry Aaron died. Do you know right now, black and white, it's record turnout. Record turnout. They can't combat the truth. It was a lie. It's a record turnout in registration, in voting, record turnout. All the things that the media were saying, I, I tweeted this at Dan Celio show. I'd like to know why Major League Baseball, without any facts, moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta. Because people in the media and on Twitter said so? Don't you do your own homework? Don't you form your own opinions? Are we really all sheep where we can't form our own opinions? Whether you believe in my politics or I believe in your politics, don't we have to have some context and some facts before we go off in making these assessments and these claims about people, a state, how they vote? These ultra MAGA things. Now, let me tell you something. You lose credibility when you continue to lie like Virginia Woolf. You continue to lose the respect that people have for you. And again, I'm talking about everybody. I'm still waiting to hear why Major League Baseball pulled the... Oh, here, my problem with baseball is this. What compelled you to get involved in, in the first place? Because you wanted to be on the court of public opinion? Is it worth that? To lose audience? To lose respectability? So that you go with the winds of Twitter? Really? To me, that's not worth losing your reputation, your credibility which the media tried to assassinate every single time with something like that they don't like or it doesn't fall in line with their narrative. This is not so much about who's on Pennsylvania Avenue right now. Is Why is baseball involved in it in the first place? Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta for no reason. No reason. Here are the facts. As of today, record turnout. MSNBC, CNN, 
and the rest of those criminals, they're not going to report that. They're not going to. Because just like the Russian hoax, this is a hoax. This was a hoax. Record turnout. This ain't me saying it. This is facts. By the way, I'm not telling you who to vote for. That's not my platform's position. I'm not, that's not my place. That's for you to decide. All I'm saying is make your own opinions. But don't do it because someone else says it. Baseball stepped in it here. You, you lose massive credibility. This is why the NFL is out of all that stuff. You don't see them involved in anything political whatsoever. Yeah, all-star gate. I mean, seriously, dude. Why did you? Now that we're finding out that registration and voting is at an all-time high in Georgia, this is not Jim Crow. Did you hear what African-Americans are saying in the state of Georgia too? They can't believe how easy it is to vote. It's actually easier. All the things the media were saying wouldn't happen are happening. Fair elections, man. That's one story. My story is if you're if you are playing politics and you're the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL or NHL, stay out of it. Cuz it'll come back to bite you. Especially when you're doing things just on the wing, on the wings of what people are saying social media wise. Dude, Major League Baseball today looks terrible. They look terrible. All right. Let's finish this up here. Don't forget, Gary Cobb will join us in hour number two at 4.30 Eastern time. Okay? Then at 5.30, our friend Tony Bruno is going to join us. All right. Here we go. The 20th. Big Sills NFL head football coach is Ron Rivera, Washington. Ron is probably the only thing in the nation's capital right now that you would call a leader. And I mean politically or sports-wise. He's the best leader in that city right now. You know why? Because Ron Rivera looks at everybody for the content of who they are as people. And they're gonna get, he's going to give you the best chance for you to succeed because that's what a coach does. He doesn't listen to the noise. He forms his own opinion on you. And Ron Rivera is a great, great person. Ron Rivera has done a hell of a job as an NFL head coach, especially in a division right now and working for an organization. That's a dumpster fire. There, there, there's comments that the NFL owners are trying to get votes to oust Daniel Snyder as owner of the Washington Commanders. It's time for him to go. He's stealing from other owners. He's stealing from the Players Association. He's been an absolute train wreck. And in my opinion, you want to make a statement here on doing the right thing? You get rid of Daniel Snyder. He's been a cancer. He has been easily the worst owner in the National Football League. Okay? He has. The train wreck that it's been his organization. He's the James Dolan of the NFL. James Dolan is by far the worst owner in the NBA. The worst owner. 
That's why the Knicks suck since he's owned the team. But Daniel Snyder's right there. He is absolutely the worst. At number 19, I have Cliff Kingsbury, the head football coach of the Arizona Cardinals. You know, for a guy that sucked in Arizona, Cliff's done a hell of a job with Kyler Murray. He's done a hell of a job with that football team. They've won. Let's remember, until Cliff Kingsbury got there, the Arizona Cardinals were not very good. That also was a dumpster fire. You know, the Bidwells don't really have the greatest history at building a franchise. They've had spot moments in their ownership run where they've been decent. I wouldn't put them on the same plane with, say, like the Patriots since Kraft's owned the team. The Bidwells have had these large gaps. And actually, Cliff Kingsbury, like I said, this guy had a losing record at Texas Tech. I didn't think he was very good. I was actually shocked. Okay? Okay? I actually, I actually, I actually thought he was going to bomb. Remember, he got the offensive coordinator's job under Clay Helton. And then Steve Kahn, the general manager, called him up and said, why don't you interview for the Cardinal job? And he, that's how he got the job. Pretty shocking, actually. Okay? Hey, man, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Bleeding Green, thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming aboard, dude. Please hit the like button, folks. Thank you again. At number 18, the Buccaneers' Todd Bowles. These are my top 32 NFL head coaches. Todd Bowles did not have a very good run as the head coach of the Jets, okay? I think the dynamic is better for him. He is going to improve, I think, by week eight on this list. Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady are going to handle the offense. Todd's going to handle the defense. I think he's also going to be in the Josh McDaniel boat where he's learned a lot from failure, and he's going to learn how to be a head coach. I think being teamed up again with Bruce Arians, he's got Bruce Arians as a confidant, and who better than to have as a confidant as a head coach for uh, Todd Bowles than Bruce Arians. So I think Todd has a great opportunity to be somebody special here. And now the Buccaneers and the Glazer family are going to give him an opportunity to be, I think, a very successful head coach. And I'd love to see Todd Bowles keep this job for the next 10 years. I got Mike McCarthy at 17. You know, it's funny about Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy had great success in Green Bay. Yes, Favre. Yes, Rodgers. I get it. Won a Super Bowl up there. Numerous playoff appearances. And in my opinion... I just think he is a – he doesn't have the personality of Sean Payton, but they guys have the same resume as far as I'm concerned. These guys are the same dude. I think he's done a pretty decent job at handling Jerry. I think he's done a decent job at being the Dallas Cowboy head coach, whatever that means. You see, when you're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, it's not really the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You're more of an administrator, okay? You're, you're an administrator playing a coach. Because whatever you say kind of is the rule, but not really the law when you're the head coach in Dallas. You could tell 
people in your coaching staff, we're going to do this. But if Jerry doesn't like that, the next day those plans can change overnight because Jones wants Jones coaches the team through Mike McCarthy. You've got to understand that dynamic. When it's a puppet, I know it sounds like a puppet, but you've got to be a really strategic puppet to be a head coach in Dallas with Jerry Jones. Jerry coaches the team through you. He couldn't do that with Parcells, and he couldn't do that with Jimmy Johnson. But every single other coach that he's ever had, including guys like Jason Garrett, he manipulates them. And manipulating, parrot, puppet, whatever you want to call it, that's how he controls his football team through the coach he hires. That's why the safest guy in Dallas is Mike McCarthy because it takes a special guy for the owner to be able to coach the team through that guy. See, Jerry's not going to go on the sidelines and coach the football team, but he's going to use a coach to do that with. That's why Sean Payton's not taking that cowboy job. Sean Payton would take that cowboy job if Stephen Jones was the head coach or the head owner, but not as long as Jerry's alive. Keith, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's exceptional. Number 16. I've got Nick Sirianni here. Eagles head coach. I think Nick on the big sales board as the top 32 NFL head coaches. I've got Nick Sirianni at number 16. Here's why. I think he's done a great job with Jalen. I don't think he's getting enough love for the job that he's done with Jalen, especially with the talent that he had around him last year. I think he doesn't get enough credit for getting out to a two and five start and for him turning the team around and listening. And again, here's a guy who was never a head coach. He's been a gypsy position coach his entire time. He's followed Frank Reich around wherever Frank has gone and has been an offensive coordinator. He's been right there. He was in San Diego when Frank was the offensive coordinator in San Diego with Phillip Rivers and with, I think it's Mike McCoy, who was the head coach there. Then when he got to um, Indianapolis, he brought him in as a wide receiver coach slash OC. So he's had his tutelage under Frank. And I think that Nick does a nice job at designing plays. I think Nick does a great job the same way Frank does at customizing offenses to his skill set of, of his quarterback. I think that's a skill that a lot of – John Gruden doesn't have that. Here's the difference between John Gruden and Nick Sirianni. John Gruden's going to come in with these three pieces of paper. And these are going to be his plays. You're going to run them whether you're Jalen Hurts or whether you're Tom Brady. You're running these plays. I designed these plays because I think, personally, this is what I think gets people open. Nick Sirianni is going to come in, get an understanding of what the player's skills are. He's going to get an understanding of what the talent is around him. He's going to get an understanding of the opponents that he's playing. And each and every single week, Nick Sirianni is going to do a Belichick a little bit here. And that is this. He is going to customize a game plan for each and every. There are going to be, this coming year, in Philadelphia, 17 customized game plans. Instead of just having a playbook, there'll be a playbook with about 700 plays in it. Okay? 
Gruden comes in with two Super Bowls. What other Super Bowl did John Gruden win? What Super Bowls? You mean Super Bowl? Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's – but this is a new NFL too. This is a completely different NFL compared to what it was 15 years ago. Yeah, he won one in Tampa. He didn't go to two Super Bowls. Now, you you could say this, Chris, the team that the Bucs played, okay, he coached prior to getting there, and both John Gruden's teams were in the Super Bowl in San Diego when they won that game, okay? The, the Raider team, he coached, and the Buccaneer team. So you could actually say, right? Mac, appreciate you coming aboard. Please hit the like button. Thank you, brother. Um. So Sirianni at 16, is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, they got beat in the AFC title game, the tough game, dude. Never took a team to the Super Bowl with the Raiders, ever. I got Brandon Staley, 15 with the Chargers. Some don't like him. I do. And I think this year, I think this football team, I think the Chargers can make it all the way to the AFC title game. I think without a doubt, I think what Staley has done with Justin Herbert being a defensive-minded guy and how they've revamped that team, Derwin James. Now they get uh, Khalil Mack on that team. they drafting guys. They got Joey Boza. I really think this Charger team is headed in the right direction. Boy, and I tell you what, it would, would it shock you if the Chargers had a better record than the Rams. Um, boy, I really like Brandon Staley. I got him at 15. Number 14. I have the Jaguars' Doug Peterson here. I think Doug is – I they got Travis Entienne, um officially cleared today. So he'll be able to go to OTAs and mini camps and then get into the July training camp. They didn't have him pretty much the entire rookie season. It was just completely wiped out. What was it that, um, that, uh, that injury across the foot was like a foot injury, right? That less Frank injury or something. So it wiped out his rookie season. They drafted him number one. I think they drafted him in the first round, two Clemson guys, actually they drafted in the first round. I can't remember 25 or something like that. And it completely wiped out his rookie season. So they're getting him back. Plus they got trap. They got uh, Trevor Lawrence there. There's some, there's some pieces there for Doug. Doug is a player's coach. Um, I, I really do, man. I, I, I just, I've got a lot of respect for Doug Peterson. So Doug Peterson to me is at number 14, number 13, Frank Wright Colts. Frank's done a nice job at Indy. Even with Jim Mersey as the owner of the football team, I think he's done a nice job there. Um, I think Chris Ballard has really been a great business partner for him. These guys see eye to eye on some things and they don't see eye to eye on other things, but that's a good relationship. And if you can make it work like that, you've got to have balance at that relationship. You just can't have what you have with Howie. It's my way or the highway. You just can't do that. Okay. Xander goes like this. How is Frank better than Doug? I'm saying in 2022, you're going to see – he's got a better football team right now. 
And I'm saying to me this year, going into this, the personnel around him, the people around him that he has, this can change by week eight, most likely will. Hey, I could see the Dolphin head coach skyrocketing up this. But as of right now, and by the way, Doug P, but the difference between 14 and 13, really? I don't think there's that much difference here. Okay. Frank's got a better football team. Frank's got more components around him right now for 2022. I'm not talking all time. Remember what I said, the top 32 NFL head coaches going into the 2022 NFL season. Okay. This is not about resumes. This is about today. What you have. How about this? I'll make a point here in a minute. And you tell me if you think I'm wrong. Number 12. Zach Taylor, Bengals. Some would go, you think Zach Taylor's a better coach than Doug Peterson? Zach Taylor took an NFL dormant franchise with a quarterback who was injured the year previous with the worst O-line in the league to a Super Bowl. I had to look his name up last year. That was one of the greatest coaching jobs of all time. Of all, I couldn't believe it. They beat the number one seed in the AFC on top of it with their quarterback going down nine times. That was an incredible coaching job. You give him a quarterback, that guy, I was, I'll tell you this, they won the first half of the Super Bowl. In my opinion, Aaron Donald gets that big play sack. In the third, in the middle of the third, dude, they were about, I don't know, 22 minutes away from winning a Super Bowl, the Bengals. Okay? Keith, now the Bengals have improved that old line. I'm really looking forward to seeing this Bengals team and this coaching staff, what they're going to do. Do they get better? Zach Taylor, I got them at 12. At number 11, I got Kevin Stefanski. Browns. Look at that roster. They just get Jadavian, uh, Jadavian Clowney re-signed. And by the way, I wish Jadavian Clowney would stop lying. He said he took less money to go back to Cleveland. One-year, $11 million deal. Do you really believe anybody in their right mind is going to pay Jadavian Clowney $15 million? Do you really believe? Who in their right mind would do that? You want to hear something, too, about the most overrated guy that came out of college? It's him. He's never had in his entire professional NFL career a double-digit sack year. Okay? Never. Hassan Reddick has had double-digit sack years on two different teams. Hassan Reddick is an elite pass rusher. Jadavian Clowney's poster actually looks better than the production that he puts out. I look at Jadavian Clowney and go like this. Yeah, he's a good player. But this guy thinks he's worth more than he is. He never has been. Remember a couple of years ago? Hey, by the way, I tweeted out that there was some conversation at how he was thinking about bringing Jadavian Clowney. And even after the Carson Wentz hit, he wanted $20 million. How he went like this? Absolutely not. I'm not paying that guy 20 million. Remember he was going around telling everybody he wanted $20 million a year? He wanted to get paid the same money that Donald was paying? And everyone went, why? You don't have Donald's production. 
I never learned. Right. Fletcher Cox makes more money than what Clowney's making. Johnson's right. You think he's better than Josh Sweat? I don't know. I don't no, no, Zach, I don't think he's a bust. I just don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. The NFL has put a label on him. Here's what you are, dude. Here's your salary. Remember I tell you that all the time? You know, this guy made that play in that Outback Bowl against Michigan, and he's been living off that hit his entire career. Let's kind of worn out with me. Yeah, Keith, I think he's been average. Watch. You pay a guy $10 million and he has seven sacks. Is that worth it? Eh, I don't know. Okay. Jesse, big sales. Do you think it was Bucks and Bengals Super Bowl that Burroughs can beat Brady? Dude, I'm not going against TB12 and anything. That guy's too freaking good. He's too freaking good. Here's your top 10 now. You got Pete Carroll at 10. This may be a little high here, okay? I think Pete Carroll's a head coach that I think he's going to have more wins this year than you think. I think they're turning the thing around because they have to. And to me, the Jamal Adams debacle, to me, before he leaves Seattle, he's got to write that trade. All those first-rounders for a safety, what a colossal disaster. They had to trade Russell Wilson just to get assets back. Pete, I got him at 10, and I thought about it a lot. I went like this, because Xander asked me this. He goes, hey, if we're going by 2022, you think he's really a better head coach than Kevin Stefanski is? This is the debate on Carroll, okay? Because Carroll might win five ballgames this year with that group he's got up there in Seattle, okay? If I had to redo this, I might put Carroll lower. Okay, and maybe move Bowles up or maybe even Doug up one because of Doug's Super Bowl. At nine, I got Sean McDermott. I think Sean McDermott has been brilliant in Buffalo. For a guy with a defensive background, he has been absolutely spectacular as an NFL coach. We're at the top of the hour. I didn't even realize it. We got to, hey, look, I'm at nine right now. We'll finish up the top 10 here, and then we'll do a recap. This is the top 32 NFL head coaches. Don't forget 4.30 Eastern, Gary Cobb from Fox 29. Then in hour number three, we got Tony Bruno. He'll be with us at 5.30 Eastern. Please hit the like button. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. 
forthepeople.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Two National Football Show. Please hit the like button. Thank you guys for coming aboard. I appreciate it. Gary Cobb, bottom of the hour at 4:30 Eastern, and then in hour number three, Tony Bruno will join us at 5:30 Eastern. I have the top ranked, top five defensive rookie of the year candidates. You think Nicobe Dean's going to be in that? I don't think Jordan Davis is going to be in the conversation this year. I I don't. I don't think he's going to be in the conversation. Will Dean, though, be in the conversation? Um, I talked to a bunch of people, and these five guys here, they think will be candidates here. So we'll we'll throw them off of you here in a minute. By the way, Xander. Xander, Xander. I think you're going to like this. I think you're going to like this. Are you listening, Xander? Arch Manning has put down three official visits. Georgia, Texas, and Alabama are his three official visits. I believe he has two more where he can have official. But Georgia, Bama, and Texas. You know what's crazy about those three programs, they're all disciples of Nick Saban. Head coach of Texas, head coach of Georgia. All had the same fundamentals as Nick Saban does at Alabama. 
Smile goes stiff to Ole Miss. Cooper, I think, was an Ole Miss guy, too. Plus Eli and the father. His three official visits, Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. This guy here, in my opinion, here. Nick, I think, is 70. This could be his final. If Arch Manning goes to Alabama, because you see Nick riding off into the sunset, Arch Manning winning a couple national championships, and Nick just riding off with Arch carrying that baton across the finish line for him, you would get the number one recruit at the quarterback position since Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was a highly recruited guy, and Dabo landed him, and there was never any doubt that he was not going to go to Clemson. He's from that neck of the woods. And um, Nick did everything. He wanted Trevor Lawrence. Trevor thought about it, too. Imagine the money he's going to make. No Tennessee, Chris, either yet. He had, Chris, he has two more options because I think you get five official visits. So there's two more to add. When I was getting recruited, you had six. Um, so I think he has two more. Ole Miss and Tennessee could easily be added to that. But as of right now, it is Georgia, Alabama, and Texas. All right. I want to finish up where we were here for the top 32 NFL head coaches. And we've gone through the list all the way up until number nine. I've got Sirianni at number 16. And I'll recap them all here. Please hit the like button again, okay? Um, and I want to pick it up here. At number eight, let me ask you guys something here. How good is Matt LaFleur as a coach? How good do you think he is? You think he's a good coach if he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers? Matt LaFleur has got 39 regular season wins in three years. 39, <laughs> okay? This guy's won a lot of ball games with Aaron Rodgers. People keep shitting on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because they lose Devontae Adams, and they're just making stuff up. The Packers have been a winning organization for the last 30 years, okay? I mean, my question is going to be, though, how good is LaFleur without Aaron Rodgers? How good is he as a coach, okay, when Rodgers is no longer in the building? How good will he be, okay? Here's, dude, this guy's one of my favorite coaches. I love Mike Vrabel. Who wouldn't want to play for Mike Vrabel? I got Mike Vrabel at number seven. That guy wins. He's tough. I mean, dude, I, I, I've got great. I'd love to be a Tennessee Titan and, and work for him. He is such a good coach. I mean it, man. I am one of my favorite one of my favorite coaches in the National Football League. And believe me, you know what? If I were Bob Kraft, after um, Bill Belichick calls it a career, why wouldn't you want to have that guy as your replacement up in New England, right, to take over for Bill Belichick? Mike Vrabel is something, man. Eagles plan says um, – Eagles fan says – Vrabel gambles at the wrong time, but I love it. Hey, I agree. I agree. I agree. Greg says, no, I can't see that. Don't go to Alabama, Arch, please. Go to Georgia. (laughs) Saban's won enough. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, man. Hey, we'll see what Georgia – hey, you know what? It's one thing to win, but it's another thing to win consistently. Let's see what Georgia does this year. That's a question mark. Do you know we're 100 days out from the start of college football today? It's 100 days from today. Still, you know, right? Randall says Rabel's still pissed that A.J. Brown got traded for a kid who's out of shape. Oh, he's got to be. But they didn't want to offer him the $20 million. They offered him $16 million. Okay? Wow. D-Train. How about this one? Arch Manning goes to Alabama, plays two years. Jalen plays this year, next year. Team's good. It's just not good enough. Arch Manning comes out. Make all these trades, you know. You get four, you get three first rounders again, and you wait for Arch Manning, and you just push everything in on Arch Manning. Yeah, he, he's going to be a Trevor Lawrence kind of guy. Okay. He is. He's going to be, he's going to be a Trevor Lawrence kind of guy. Number six, John Harbaugh. Is John Harbaugh now maybe one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL? He is easily one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. This guy could go from coaching Joe Flacco to coaching guys like Lamar Jackson. He is such a good football coach. Such a good organization, though, the Ravens. I love that organization. One of my favorite of all time when you're talking about coaches. I just love John Harbaugh, man. And by the way, who would have thought he's the better Harbaugh coach? You know, to be to be fair, I think Jim's a better NFL coach. You know, Jim Harbaugh is like 47-19-1 as an NFL head coach. This guy's got some psychotic coaching record. When he was in San Francisco, he's got a great record, dude. Here are your top five coaches. I got Mike Tomlin. How can you not have a top five without Mike Tomlin? Never had a losing record. Players love him. He's an easily one of the best organizations in all of football. Um, they're the gold standard when it comes to developing all positions. They're, they're the gold standard when it comes to developing assistant coaches. The Steelers are the gold standard since 1969. There's no other organization that's done it consistently. The question mark will always be on Mike Tomlin. How about this? Let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that Bill Cowher's a better coach than Mike Tomlin? If you had to be coached by Bill Cowher or Mike Tomlin, who would you choose? Wow. Who would you want to be coached by? Mike Tomlin or Bill Cowher? Eric Roach says Tomlin. Tomlin's never had a losing record. You know what, though? His postseason record's not great, especially over the last seven years. 
Wow, W2, can you imagine Jalen Hurts playing in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin? I think he'd love that. Tomlin has more rings. Are you sure about that? I think he's only got one Super Bowl ring. I think he's got one ring. I don't think he has two. He's got one Super Bowl ring. He won that early. He doesn't have two rings. He doesn't have more rings than Bill. Bill's got more playoff wins, actually. Coward, because AB wouldn't have acted like an ass on Bill's watch. I'll tell you what, though. Eagles fan, let me ask you this, though. Hang in here now. With Mike Tomlin, um, the running back, the the wide the running back and the wide receiver, Mike Tomlin did everything to keep those guys in in intact. Le'Veon Bell was considered one of the best backs in the NFL, and when he left Pittsburgh, he's been a train wreck. AB's been a train wreck. When those guys were all in Pittsburgh, Mike kept everything kind of together. So if if you're saying that Bill's slightly better, um, that means you think that Tomlin's a Hall of Fame coach, right? Okay. Yeah, Steve, Bruce Arians was also on that coaching staff too. So he gets credit too for a couple world championship rings too. Right? He gets credit then too, right? Because he's got a couple championship rings being the offensive coordinator there in Pittsburgh. Number four, here's going to be the conversation I was having with um, with Xander here. I got Bill Belichick going into the 2022 season as the fourth best NFL head coach. Um, Bill's resume second to none. That includes Don Shula. I'm not talking about putting an all-time list together here. This is going into the 2022 season. You guys think that Andy Reid is a better coach today going into the 2022 season than Bill Belichick? You think Reid's a better coach? I didn't say accomplished. I said today, who's a better coach? All these AFC championship games and NFC championship games that Andy's been to. Right? Look at the quarterback he has. Look at what he's developed. Look what he did with Donovan McNabb. How about this? Let me throw this at you here. Do you think Donovan McNabb would have won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson if Doug Peterson was his coach? Do you think he would have won a Super Bowl? If Doug was his coach. Right? Nope. Okay. You think Doug Peterson is as good a coach as Andy? Who do you think has been the best Eagle coach since 2000? Andy Reid, Doug Peterson. 
Who was the better coach? Doug's got the ring. Andy. Andy had just as much talent. Those 03, 02, 03, 04 Eagle teams, pretty good. Okay. Those. Those teams, those 02, 03, 04 Eagle teams were pretty decent. Okay? Randall says rings over appearances. Okay, I'm asking you who you think is a better coach. Who do you think is a better coach, Peterson or Reed? Doug's going to get a chance now to do the same thing that Andy Reed did. Let's be candid here. When Reed got that Kansas City job, there was no Patrick Mahomes in the building. This is not a Matt LaFleur scenario where Matt LaFleur gets the job and Aaron Rodgers is there. Or um, a guy like George Seifert gets the job because Steve Young's there. Alex Smith was in Kansas City. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes. So what Andy's done is Andy's had to draft a kid along with John Dorsey, find a guy, mature the guy, put talent on the field with people in the building, Right? This is not him inheriting an all-star quarterback. He inherited a pretty good player. Randall says Andy Reid over, over Doug Peterson. Tony says, Sills, tough question today. I guess that's the point. Yeah. That's totally the point. That's why I'm putting this list together the way I am. It's easy to put Belichick at top. Because everyone will look at resume. I'm talking about right now, today, with the talent you have, what you're going to do with your team. How far are you going to go? Everyone knows the Colts are going to go further than Doug Peterson's Jags this year. Okay? I said for 2022. I'm not talking all time here. Of course you take Doug Peterson all time. That's not. This is not an all-time list. This is this year's list. Okay? W2 says Doug is better. So W2, two evenly matched teams, two evenly matched quarterbacks. You think Doug Peterson wins a 60-minute football game over Andy Reid? Randall says, who's number one? Who would you take? Let's use a NASCAR analogy. Everybody's got restrictor plates. Everybody's even. Who wins? Who wins? Who wins? Andy Reid's play calling? I don't know about that. You mean like his time, his timeouts and his clock management going into halftime and going into the final two minutes of the games? I would tell you this. That's been one of the things that I've always had a hang up with Reid is that Andy Reid going into halftime in his final two minutes of games can be a little helter-skelter. That's a fair criticism that a lot of people have of him. Dank, his play calling is great. When you're going 20 to 20 and you're in the middle of the game, but then when you start getting closer to two-minute drill... That's when he condenses his offense. 
And when they two, where are the two areas that Andy Reid has traditionally struggled? Red zone and two minute drills. Timeouts. Am I am I fair when I say that? Two minute drills, timeouts. Okay, halftime adjustments, kind of been. They've been a little bit all over the place. I mean, there's a reason that coaches have situational play calling that are great in it. Belichick's exceptional at situational play calling and situational adjustments. You think Bill waits till halftime to get in and start making adjustments? Bill's making adjustments on the sidelines with his defense right on the spot. They'll get, they'll get a trend going, and all he needs is 10 plays. And they'll completely revamp what they're doing on the sideline there. It takes Andy a little bit. His red zone offense play calling, because it condenses it a little bit, gets a little spotty. Gets a little spotty. Doug Peterson is going to do this. I bet you Xander loves this. Hey, how about the Philly special? Let's run it. Okay, let's go. Andy Reid ain't doing that. Andy Reid ain't doing that. Out of nowhere. It's one of the greatest Super Bowl moments with a quarterback and head coach in history. How about the Philly special? Okay, let's run it. There was no hesitation. Dude, it gives me goosebumps to this day. Dude, he's looking at the play sheet. Doug Peterson's looking at the play sheet. Foles comes walking over about the Philly special. All right, let's run it. I mean, this guy probably had 20 plays he was going to go over Nick with. I know, Chris. It was, it was, it was Foles, but the coach went, okay, you're right. Dude, you have all these plays you scripted out with Frank Wright. You're sitting here. Your quarterback walks over and goes, hey, Philly special. Okay, let's go. Andy Reid ain't doing that. He ain't doing that. Let's do it. That's right, Dank. Dank. I, when I, every time I see and people send me videos of that, of, of Foles doing that, and, and, and Doug Peterson going, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Dude, honestly, it's one of the greatest coaching player moments in Super Bowl history. Uh, I don't think he hesitated, man. No way. No way. No way. Man, that was just really great. I got Bill Belichick at four. I got Sean McVay at number three. I think McVay is such a great play caller. And boy, can he call plays. Look how he's, is, how young is he? I think he's like 35, 37. And he's been to two Super Bowls and he's only 37. So are you trying to tell me he's as old as Jason Kelsey? And this guy's been to two Super Bowls already? That's freaking unbelievable. And he's won one? He's 37? Camp. This guy's 37. Two NFC championships. A Super Bowl win. He guided them 
in the second half to that victory, he completely saved the career of Matthew Stafford and how we perceive him. He may be saving the career of Odell Beckham. Sean McVay can coach, man. He, he, in my opinion, he's a great coach. I debated on this number two one. I got Kyle Shanahan here. I probably, if I had to do the list over again, I'd probably put McVay at two and Kyle at three. Okay, but Kyle can coach. Kyle can design plays. Kyle can design plays for positional players, too, to get them in positions. What he's done with Debo Samuel is incredible. I'll tell you what, though. His reputation is on the line here with Trey Lance. He's got to make Trey Lance look good. And we're going to find out truly if he is what everyone thinks he is. Um, a truly great, innovative coach. I think he is, okay? I think he is. But this year is going to tell us a lot. And I got as the number one coach in the NFL, I got Andy Reid. I don't think there's a better organization right now in football with the best head coach. I think Andy Reid right now is the best head coach in the National Football League. So 32 up. Kevin O'Connell, Vikings, 31 is Dennis Allen. Brian Dable, 30, Giants. Dan Campbell, 29, Lions. Matt Rule, 28, Panthers. Robert Saley, 27, Jets. 26, Mac Eberflus, Bears. 25 is Mike McDaniel, Dolphins. 24 is Nathaniel Hackett, Denver. 23, Arthur Smith, Falcons. 22 is Lovey Smith, Texans. 21 is Josh McDaniels, Raiders. 20 is Ron Rivera, Washington. 19 is Cliff Kingsbury, Cardinals. Number 18 is Todd Bowles, Bucks. Mike McCarthy, Cowboys is 17. Nick Sirianni is 16, Eagles. 15, Brandon Staley, Chargers. 14, Doug Peterson, Jags. 13, Frank Reich, Colts. 12, Zach Taylor, Bengals. 11, Kevin Stefanski. Browns, 10, Pete Carroll, Seahawks, 9, Sean McDermott, Bills, number 8, Matt LaFleur, Packers, number 7, Mike Vrabel, Titans, number 6, John Harbaugh, Ravens, number 5, Mike Tomlin, Steelers, number 4, Bill Belichick, Patriots, number 3, Sean McVay, Rams, number 2 is Kyle Shanahan, 49ers, and the number 1, Head football coach going into the OTAs, mini camps, and July's training camp is Andy Reid. Do you have a problem with anybody here that I got on this list here? Is Reid the best coach in the game right now? Um, again, 2022. I'm not talking resumes for right now. I'm talking the 2022 season with what they have, where they're going. A little bit of resume. This is who I have here as the top 32 NFL coaches. This will change. Teams are going to get out to starts. You're going to see some great coaching. Would it shock me if Nathaniel Hackett looks like he is something that, like, watch this. If, if, if Aaron Rodgers. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Just gets hurt. Matt LaFleur is going to have a pathetic season. You think like um, Jordan Love's going to go in there and save the day? He's not. It'll probably expose him. We're going to find out a little bit more about Kyle Shanahan. Okay? Look. I, I, hey, what are you talking about with the Bills? D-Train, I think the Bills are, are going to be in the Super Bowl and win it. I think they're going to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Okay? Think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I think the Bills have the best roster, one of the top quarterbacks. I think they've improved in the offseason. Their coaching staff is a top 10 coaching staff. Look, if you're in the top 10, you've got a hell of a coaching staff. If you're really in the top 20, you've done some really remarkable things. Okay? You've done some remarkable things. Make no mistake about it, okay? On what you're doing here with your football team here. So... We're trying to effort our friend um, Gary Cobb, so hopefully we're able to catch up with him here and get Gary's thoughts here. You know, we started the show out, and I'm going to start the questioning uh, once we get a hold of Gary. You know, Howie Roseman's got all the – he's got all the power now. And that was something that was by design by Jeffrey Lurie. Gave him the three-year contract extension. Gave him the opportunity. Hey, you know who could end up being your most valuable player by the end of the 2022 season? It could be Howie, all the things that he's done. Because if he does all the things that I think they're going to do this year, after you sit back and you watch all the things and you put them on, and again, we're talking things on paper here. I get it. And I've been saying that, and I have been reiterating that. Okay? I have been saying that. This is all here on May 23rd. Okay, this is all here on May 23rd. But the bottom line is, is he has done all of this. And with the power now that he has, there is no doubt. Like you guys said in the first hour here, 
We were talking about a situation where, get this, there's no one else to blame. Razor says, I have to see Hertz's arm before I call anything on this team. Paper didn't win squat. Bills are ready. I agree with you. W2, I think this is their year. I think that Kansas City game is really going to sit, in my opinion, and it really is going to sit with them for the entire year because you know how close you are. What up, brother? Great show as always. Seth, thank you so much for stepping in with us too, man. We really appreciate it too. So all good here, man. Yeah, no, I I, I do. I really think that I think it's going to be a special season this year here. All right. I'm going to find out if my friend Gary Cobb thinks I'm insane. (laughs) I made a proclamation, Gary. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I think the Eagles are going to go to the Super Bowl. Ooh, wow. Oh, man. I tell you, that's that's uh, that's that's saying a lot, but, you know, they, they really have made some good moves, man. I mean, uh, to, to, to do all that they've done, and the thing about it is, see, when you add w- rookies, that's one thing. You know, it's re- adding a rookie, because whatever a rookie's done in college, you really don't know what they're going to do in the pros. But when you add you know, Pro Bowl players. Come on, man. You you know a guy can play. And you add him at positions that the Eagles have added. I, I mean, I got to give them credit. I um saw, you know, uh, the, um, uh, you know, Mr. Laurie, um, the owner of the team. And I had to tell him, I mean, you guys have made some great moves. Uh, you you got to give them credit. You know, the, the, uh, the addition of A.J. Brown, that's huge, you know, and 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 and, um, and then you go and you add a Pro Bowl cornerback. You know, you you've already got one Pro Bowl cornerback. You add two Pro Bowl cornerbacks, so I think that um, what you're saying, I don't think that's out of the question. You do you uh, agree they are a Final Four? I mean, you would think they would be a Final Four team, right? With And and this is why I say it, Gary. I want to put context behind it. They got the 31st easiest schedule. Uh They've added all these components, like you said, not so much rookie, but now you add James um, Bradbury. Let let me throw this at you, too. Think about this. He's probably living in Jersey, so he's not going to have to pull his family out of school or what have you. That's right. He's going to be able to drive down 95, get maybe an apartment close to the NovaCare Center. He knows every player in the division. You got him for $3 million cheaper. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does a second cornerback now on the other side of Darius Slade do to the potential of what this defense might look like with Jonathan Gannon? I I think think it it, it, it really allows them – see. Last year, they didn't play. I mean, they were afraid to play man-to-man for a long time during the season. They were playing zone all the time. Now they play the man-to-man. They can, they can, they can, uh, they can really go after people, you know, uh, attacking them when you've got two Pro Bowl cornerbacks. I mean, it's, it's amazing, uh, you know, the jump they've made to where you go from, uh, you know, the kid they have over there, Steve Nelson. You know, he struggled. Now you add a, a guy like Bradbury. You add him with Darius Slay on the other side, another Pro Bowl cornerback over there. And, and this is a throwing league. So you add people in K 
key positions. You add Pro Bowl level player. That's what you did offensively. You brought in AJ Brown, a Pro Bowler. You didn't. You didn't bring in a kid. You draft somebody. Said what? So that's why I was so shocked when I'm going like, how did they get him, man? What do? You, what did they do to get him? And then and you know, Gary, you wind get up getting this. Bradbury. Get this. They yeah. they didn't. I would have did this. I'd have traded him out of the conference, not, hoping he wouldn't land in the division. Without, without a doubt. And why, a doubt. You couldn't get a seventh rounder for him? I know. Come on. Without a doubt, you want to trade him out. I mean, because he knows the he knows the competition in this division. He knows these guys. So you, you got a guy that you're able to make that move. I mean, that's extraordinary. Very unusual. To have that happen, and at those key positions, the thing is, though, we're going. I, I want to see how they're going to play together uh, from a standpoint that how how the uh, defensive coordinator is going to be able to take advantage of that. But it, it's a tremendous addition for them to be able to add that level of a player at a position which last year, come on, Steve Nelson, he wasn't not a big time starter, but to to add a Pro Bowl level cornerback. And, and the thing about Bradbury's coming in here to play, he's in a position where he knows he wants to play well because he really wants to take advantage of uh, and and, uh, and really be out there on the market again uh, for the big bucks. I mean, that's what he wants to do. He's so investing he's got in the himself motivation to play well. He's investing in himself here with that one year eleven million. That's what he, that's here. what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And so he, you know, but he he knows this uh, division. He knows. Come on. When he plays against the Giants, come on, he's been playing against their receivers. He's already knows, you know, uh, the other receivers in the division. So it's going to be very interesting. I tell you, uh, they really have made extraordinary jump to go from where they at they were at, and you couldn't have added a better guy, you know, bringing in Bradbury, and you know, and AJ Brown, and you add two Pro Bowl level players and Hassan Reddick. This is a throwing league. You you got you added people at positions that are very very important to winning in the NFL now. They got a pass rusher in red. Yep. They got two corners. Those are key positions. Yep. If you're going to win, do you think now the microscope instead of turning to the roster, do you think now it's turned on to the coaches? Because Jonathan Gannon now has this. He's got a six one two hundred thirty pound outside rushing edge rusher. How are yep. you going to utilize him? We said it last week, Gary. You're yeah. not putting that guy in first and second down. You're putting him in situationally. That's You've right. got really good corners now. Now yep. you can play plus coverage. You're yep. not going to see guys rolling into the link with 97 uh, completion percentage and guys eating you apart now. How That's are right. you doing all this? Is now that emphasis on the coaching staff for them to step their game up? Uh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, uh, they were in a situation where people expect, you know, them to do well. You know, they want to see an improvement. But now when you make those kind of additions, people saying, hey, look, you got playoff talent. I mean, you got guys that, you know, you got quality players. We're expecting something special. And, and without a doubt, uh, they are all on the line. I mean, you know, it, it, it's basically the, the coaching staff, Jalen Hurts, they're all on the line, man. We're going to find out because we got people. You got the kind of talent that you should win with. And, and what you said about the looking at the schedule, 
It's right there. They should have a big-time year. Now, you're talking about going to the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, again, when you add people like A.J. Brown and Bradbury, you're adding guys who are capable of making plays with, when, in big games when it's all on the line. So, yeah, you're expecting something special, without a doubt, because these are people that are capable of making plays and having big games and playing a dominating type football against the best people in the, in the, in the league. So uh, I, I think that uh, it's not out of the question. Whole thing is, you know, Nick, Hey, Nick, Hey buddy, it's time oh, for yeah. you to step up. And the same thing with Gannon, you got to step up, man, because you got the people, some of the best people. I was just, um, uh, they had a, um, uh, a charity event, you know, um, for, for autism, the, the autism challenge. Yeah. And I was over there, you know, I'm riding the bike and everything. And I'm looking at, uh, you know, some of the kids they got me, you know, um, big, um, the big, big guard, uh, I'm trying to think of a kid from Alabama. Dickerson. Big Dickerson was over there, man. You see how big he is? Hey, dude, they got, got some big folks. Who's even bigger? Dude, right? they got some large people on that. I mean, that that line, that really, that left side of the line, you could say it's the best left side in the NFL. Agreed. Those guys playing next to each other, and then you got a Pro Bowl center. You know they can run the football. Well, now you, got, you added a Pro Bowl wide receiver. And he's a big dude. And he's a he's a big monster. He's a big guy, and he he overpowers people. So I tell you, it's it's going to be fun, man. I tell you what, and and the thing is, see, you're saying this now, but by the time we get near the season, there are going to be a lot of people playing, saying Super Bowl because of all these players they've added, and they added guys that are, have already been superstars in the NFL. You go and you add these guys. Uh, that's why I, I'm not saying <laughs> right now, but I expect a big year. I do expect to have I'm, a big year. I'm expecting a big year, Gary. I want to. Yeah. I want. I want to ask you about the architect of the team now. Mm -hmm. Um, there is no question, and you correct me if I'm wrong. You being over there at the autism event, I thought it was a great event. I saw all the pictures. Yeah. It was truly great. Um. Howie Roseman officially has all the power on this team and on this roster and in that coaching staff. There is nobody who has more power than him, and it's evident. Do you yep. have a problem with him having all the power and not having a relationship like most GMs do? Kevin Colbert never, ever wanted to have more power than Mike Tomlin. He wanted to work with Mike Tomlin. Most uh -huh. GMs want, and I'm not saying how he doesn't want to work with Nick, but yeah. we know this. If Nick says something, he's got a politician to get Zach Pascal on the team. Other coaches say, I want this guy on the team, and the GM yeah. goes and gets him for him Yeah, because the GM wants to share that responsibility. Are you okay with Howie not sharing that responsibility with the head coach? You know, I tell you, I know a lot of people uh, put a lot of pressure on Howie and, 
You know, hey, I was saying it too, like uh, going into the offseason. Come on, we didn't go get a, a top receiver. You know, uh, you know, I thought you were going to try to add a cornerback. You know, Howie's done that and more this offseason. And really, the year Howie had during the Super Bowl was a Hall of Fame year. All the people he added contributed to that Super Bowl team. Every guy, he had guys, they might not have played, but three more games the rest of their career. But they were great that year. I don't know what he had going, but doggone it, he was on time that year, man. Everybody they added, come on, they played against uh, the, the, the Patriots at their top. Brady was playing at the top of his game. Doggone pra Brady threw for 500 yards against them. Yeah, it was up and down the field, up and incredible. down the field. But the, but the Patriots couldn't stop the Eagles. They couldn't stop them. That no, they got beat game. up in the end, Gary. They got beat up. They got beat up. I mean, an and, and, and extraordinary year that Howie had because he added all the pieces. And it was an extraordinary year for a GM. You know, he, he just added the piece. Everything, everybody he touched turned to gold that year. So maybe he can do it again. <laughs> Because you know, it, it, he's it, it, really made moves this year were better than the ones then. I mean, come on, the people he's added. He's he's already had extraordinary run to add these kind of people. I don't know how you do it. But did he share that? Did he share that responsibility with Doug then in seventeen? Was there more of a working relationship with Doug and him? Because it just seems to me, Gary, this dynamic is completely different. Nick is the coach. But Nick is not really in charge of this thing here. Well, that's true. Yeah, uh, Howie's in charge. Is wasn't there a better working dynamic with Howie and Doug then in seventeen or what? Maybe I, I don't no, know. I really, tell me. I, no, really. Uh, hey, okay. Howie was calling the shots then too. Okay, he was calling the shots. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think if anything, that's one of the reasons Doug left. I mean, because Howie was the one calling the shots. Really, I mean, and come on, Doug. They brought Doug in. Come on. Nobody thought Doug was going to get the job. They gave Doug the job, but Doug didn't have a lot of power. No, he did not have a lot of power. Uh, it was Howie that was calling the shots then. So the thing about it, everything Howie did that year was right. So I it's, mean, it's almost the right. same dynamic today as it was that year? Yeah, it was the same. It was the same dynamic. He had a young coach who uh, a lot of people thought had gotten the job before he should have. It was the same way. That's what they did. I mean, it, Howie was running and Howie was calling all the shots. Howie went out and got all of the different people that he brought in and got, you know, Doug made it work. You know, he made it work and uh, they just went on an extraordinary run. But to go over there and beat Brady and uh, Belichick and them at the height of their game. Oh, yeah. I mean, like they didn't have a bet. Brady was extraordinary, but the Eagles still beat him. Beat him up too there. Let me yeah. ask you this here. Doug Doug Peterson, what are you expecting this year? There was some good news for Doug today. Travis Entienne looks like he's gonna play. Um, he got off that um that injury on the foot. He's gonna be cleared for OTAs, he's gonna be ready to go for training camp. So they get a first rounder back they didn't have a year ago. His teammate, um, Trevor Lawrence's teammate at Clemson. They've got some pieces there. Yeah, what are you expecting to see with Doug? Um, over these next couple of years in Jacksonville? Well, you know, the thing is, um, 
he uh, is a real good – he's really good with the quarterbacks. You know, uh, that's the thing that um, I think is the, the number one reason they brought him down there is uh, he is good with the, from a personality standpoint, uh, from what he's going to allow the guy to do. He's a confidence builder. He will let these guys encourage them to shine. So I think he's going to be great, you know, uh, especially with the young quarterback with all the skills that, uh, you know, Lawrence has. So – I expect them to do pretty well. You know, I, I don't know how much they're going to win. And, you know, I haven't looked at their schedule. That's a, you know, I, you know, over there in that AFC is tough. Oh, yeah. Over there. <laughs> but I expect them to have a good year. And I expect Trevor Lawrence, I expect to see growth in him uh, as, um, you know, he as, as Doug Peterson works with him. Because what he's going to do is he's going to instill confidence. He's going to believe in him. Uh, and and that, that part of the game, he's really good because – he did that with the Eagles quarterbacks then. I mean, he was really good with Nick Foles, a guy that was on the bench. Hey, we believe in you. You know, he lets the guy know he believes in him. And then when he's communicating with him in the game, you know, with the plays, he's going to let that guy do what he does best. That's way he's. That's the way he is. He's going to let him do what he does best. And if he really likes something, he's going to go with it. And he's going to let the let the kid shine. Two last questions for you. Yeah. Chief Cobb, I'll ask you a personal question here. Mm -hmm. If you had to play for two coaches, one of the two coaches, who would you want to play for, Andy Reid or Doug Peterson? Well, man, that's – that's. Uh, let me think about that. You know – You personally, who would you want to play for? Well, I tell you, I really liked Andy, man. I, you know, I I, uh, I I thought Andy was, uh, was probably better when it came to um, – the way he designed the game, the the game plan, I, I don't think that there's anybody better that can de design a game plan better than Andy. I, so I would probably say Andy because I saw the consistency. I mean, come on, Andy won and won and won and won and won. Now, they didn't win the Super Bowl. They came short so many times. But doggone it, every year he had a game plan and everything set up to win. Did Andy fight for his players like Doug did? Yeah, he would. He would. He would fight for his players. That's right. You, if you um, you were one of his guys, you were out there battling for him, he would fight for you. And he would stay there with you uh, year after year. And I saw him do that, uh, you know, with with, uh, with Donovan and all those guys. He, 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 he stood up for his players. Yes, he did. So I would say Andy because he, he did it so long. I, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen anybody very rarely in the league. You only see a few times where guys win as much as he did because look at the way he went. The Eagles dominated the NFC while they were there. Now they were at they were in the NFC Championship game again and again. He goes to KC. They've done the same thing, dominated year after year. So I have to say, Andy. I said this. I came out with my final question for you here. I came out with my thirty-two top NFL coaches going into the 2022 season. And again, this is not resume stuff. I've yeah. got Sirianni at 16 and I've got Andy Reed, the number one coach in the NFL. Do you believe right now he is the number one coach in the NFL when it comes to one guy that you'd want to have coaching your team for 60 minutes of football. If you had to win a game um, with the personnel that they have right now on their football team and with all the things going into this season, this year, not talking about Belichick's resume, there it's hard to it's hard to debate that resume, and I won't yeah. debate it because you sound like an idiot if you do debate it. 
But yeah. I'm saying for this year, is there any other coach that you'd want to have with their football team going into a 60-minute game to try to win it than, other than Andy Reid? No. I would put Andy as the, the number one guy, man. He, he's going to have them ready to win. I think he's going to have them ready to win. I've seen him do it year in, year out. And he's done it in two franchises where they've been the dominant team in their, their uh, conference. And, you know, he did it for years with the Eagles. He's gone to, to Kansas City and done the same thing over there. So I don't think you could say it's an accident. I, I agree with you. I think he's the best coach yeah. in the sport right now. Gary, I appreciate it, my friend. All righty. I tell that, you what, you're talking Super Bowl. I said Super Bowl. I know. I'm on. I'm, I know. I know. I'm on. I'm into firing. I'm into bullseye right now. Yeah. G Cobb, I appreciate it, my friend. Okay, Absolutely. Have a good one. Got you, man. I threw myself in that mix there, didn't I? Hey, hey, man, I get it. But that's interesting. I didn't realize that. That's a great education that Gary gave me. And some of you guys have been trying to tell me here. Okay. 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 You heard him say it. You were first. Everyone's going to be saying it. I'm telling you, I got the Eagles winning the NFC. And now get this guys. I'm going to tell you something else too. Now that I know. So you're trying, look, I was under the impression that Doug Peterson had some say in 17. So you're telling me that Doug Peterson didn't have any say in 17 and it was still the Howie Roseman show? Am I, am, am I right when I'm listening and I'm interpreting what Gary said? Because it's important. That means this. They're going, that's why when he says, I got you and I got you one before Seth says, yep. Zach, that's Wednesday. Brian Westbrook, tomorrow, Seth Joyner. By the way, I'm going on Seth's show, too, 7.30 on Tuesday. Um, I'm going on uh, Xander with Hollis. Hollis Thomas? I'm going on with him on Tuesday. It's going to be both. He and I and Seth on his show on Tuesday. Never say no to Seth Joyner. So that's how that dynamic worked. Doug didn't have any say. Zach says the road to the Super Bowl is going through Philly. Gary's saying it. Sills, you said it first. It's going to take time for these guys to mesh. That's why Seth, one of the things that I don't like how the Eagles prepare for an upcoming season, they don't do a lot of OTA or minicamp work. How can you go through OTAs and minicamp work when you've got a whole new grouping of personnel coming in, defensively and offensively, and you're trying to tell me that you're just going to pick it up in week one, right? And you're going to be playing you know, week one against the Lions, and you're just going to pick it up like that? I don't know, man. I'd like to see these guys working out together. How we swinging around is his big Dickerson D train. <laughs> so that dynamic worked in set. That dynamic was in place in 17 too. Doubt. 
doubt it. We only got to mesh one man on the offense, and the defense is all about assignments, MC saying. Yeah, but group, but MC, who's your 34 personnel? Who's your 43 personnel? Who's your 335 personnel? Who are you rushing? Your four guys, who are you going to rush on third and long? Who are you going to play on first and third? Who are you going to play middle of the field? Who are you going to play with your back against the goalpost? Who's going to be your goal line? Who's going to be your short line, short yardage defense? You've got to know that when you're standing on the sidelines, you've got to know your groupings and your assignments. You just can't get a piece of paper and go, oh, okay, I'm on punt block. you got to go out there and execute it with your boys. That's You can't just get a piece of paper and go, okay, so I'm on the 335 pass rush. You get it like this, but then you got to go out and you got to run games and stunts and you've got to, you've got to see it. It's one thing to draw it up on a chalkboard. It's another thing for you to go out and practice. There's a reason you practice the 700 times the same play. You've got to know your assignments. That's right. And hey, sometimes, MC, sometimes there's certain players. Why do you think there's classroom and field work? Because sometimes a player can see something on a piece of paper and go like this. It looks like instructions through a three-legged grill. I don't know how to do this. But you put that player in a 3-3-5 or a 43 or 34, look, he knows exactly what he's looking at. Certain guys are good at seeing it. Certain guys need to see it, if that makes sense to you. And that's why you try to get everybody on the same page. Hey, Brady can look at a tablet. That's why when people are going like this now, they're kind of giving Aaron Rodgers a bunch of shit because Rodgers is not at OTAs. You don't really think Rodgers needs reps, do you? Aaron Rodgers needs to look at a tablet, and he'll probably get the rundown of what the minicamps are going to be and what they went over. And Aaron Rodgers will just look at what they were doing and look at the tablet and look at what Jordan Love was doing. And he'll look at it, and he'll watch it, and he'll do it, and he'll do – this is more of a homework assignment for guys like Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But when you have guys like Jalen Hurts who's still learning – and you have A.J. Brown who's being added to the learning curve of Jalen Hurts, you, that's a different dynamic now. How are you going to use Devontae? Like, here, how are you going to use Devontae Smith this year? Nobody said that. How, how are you using Devontae Smith? He's not going to be your number one target. So how, how are you going to get him in a position to be successful when you just paid $100 million for one guy? Do you think Jalen's really going to be looking over at Devontae? What, because they're Alabama boys? Dude, the fastest way out of the league is to do shit like that. This is about winning ball games. Your best friends don't matter here, okay? This has got to be about putting you in the best position. Hey, that, that, hey, that brother stuff has to go out. You got to put the ball in the hands of the best dudes. How are you going to get Devontae involved in all this? All right. Where are we here? Oh, yes. I've got five candidates that I think are going to be the defensive rookie of the year candidates. Tony Bruno is going to join us at 530 also. We'll take your thoughts. Do me a favor, guys. Please hit the like button. Hour three right here on the National Football Show. Keep it pinned here.
After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case and might say, it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS, not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Three, Big Sills, National Football Show, Tony Bruno, bottom of the hour. Please hit the like button. Has it really been 47 years since the Flyers won the Stanley Cup? 47 years? 47 years. You're lucky you have a fan base that you have in Philly. You're lucky, man. Okay, you're absolutely lucky. By the way, thank you guys for holding tight with me. Comedy California, hard at it with the stream. I apologize. I know the audio's out there. So please just keep hanging with me. It'll catch up here. Nothing I can do about the communist California, man. Everything is running perfectly, but it's just what it is. So thank you guys so much for coming aboard and hanging in there with me and fighting through it. God, do I hate it. Believe me. We're working our ass off to try to rectify it, but we're almost at wit's end with it here a little bit. So D-Train says, yeah, Flyers, last time they went to the Stanley Cup final was in 2012. Dude, that's not good enough for that fan base, man. For a fan base that built up and known the Broad Street Bullies, I watched that, I watched that documentary on HBO, okay? I, I watched that. 
I, I watched that um, HBO special on the Flyers and how the city galvanized themselves. It was like the first championship, right? Since the 67 Sixer team and how that city won those back-to-back championships. The NHL hated the way that they were winning. Campbell couldn't stand it. So they ended up changing all the rules against the Flyers. Then the Islanders came in. And then of course, the way the Canadians, they said, you guys were the worst not to sit here and hammer anyway on, on hockey, but um, I was watching the bolts. My wife used to ask me this all the time. She would say this, man. um, Hey, you think the lightning will ever be good? The lightning today are going to go for a sweep of the Panthers to get themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going for their third straight cup. How can Stanley have a tan, right? Stanley could have a tan for a third straight year. Absolutely remarkable in what that organization has done. Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the Lightning, has been brilliant. Real quick, before I get into my top five rookie of the year candidates, okay? Top five rookie of the year candidates. Defensively, we are 100 days out from the start of college football. I'm a huge college football fan, as you know. Okay? USC, Lincoln Riley. Here will be your storylines. Brian Kelly is not the fit at LSU, in my opinion. And I'm going to stick to that right here on May 23rd. How y'all doing? Nobody likes bullshit artists. Nobody likes bullshit artists. How you doing? Dude, the guy's from Maine. There are a ton of elite quarterbacks who are going to go into the NFL draft. Ton, like seven. NC State's going to have a great year. There are a lot of good-looking football players on that team. Keep an eye on them. They're a dark horse team to do some damage this year in the top 10, NC State. Um, And, of course, Mario Cristobal in year one. I can't wait to see what he does. Sarkeesian at Texas. Is Kirby Smart going to be able to follow up what he did at Georgia? And Nick Saban has what I would say this. Xander, you could comment on this as well. This Alabama team that Saban has, this could go down as as good a team since that Derrick Henry team. This could go down. Right there with that Derrick Henry team. You know, that that Jonathan Allen team, that was really good. That that group was really good. That, like, three-year span, that four-year span, this, this Alabama team is going to – yeah, Venerables also at OU. I think Venerables actually makes Oklahoma – Venerables is the perfect hire. Why? Because Oklahoma's going to the Southeastern Conference. Lincoln Riley did a shit job at bringing defensive guys into Norman. I think Brent Venables being brought into Norman, I think it's actually – watch this. I'm going to make a prediction here. Thank you. Ready? I think Brent Venables has a better record in five years than Lincoln Riley. Watch. Watch. Brett Venerables, he didn't have to leave Clemson. 
guy was making $2.8 million. <laughs> he didn't have to leave. This guy's making $2.8 million as a DC in Clemson. He didn't, why would he leave? He got a cream job, an Oklahoma job. He went back there, and I think he's going to do a great job. I do. I think he's going to do a spectacular job. You watch. Hey, by the way, I'm going to get to this now. Don't forget Tony Bruno, bottom of the hour. Okay? Hey, Dan. Can you tell a college I'm a genius coach so I can scoop a few million and get, in, <laughs> and get fired? D-Train, I'm doing that first. I'm sending my resume out so that I can – hey, I could be a shitty coach the same way everybody else can and, and get a couple million bucks. Absolutely, man. Coaching is gargantuan. Let me throw this at you here. So did you see that Juan Howard turned down the Laker job? Do you know when the Lakers make this next hire? It'll be their sixth coach in 10 years. Sixth coach in 10 years. Put that in perspective. Okay? Sixth coach in 10 years. How many coaches have the Eagles had in 22? Reed? Kelly, Doug, and Nick. The difference is you've been to one, two. You've been to two Super Bowls, one, one. You've got a ton of playoff wins. And the Lakers over the last 10 years have been a train wreck outside of the bubble title. Think about that. Six coaches in LA with the Lakers over the last 10 years when they make this hire. That's not how you win. You look like the Browns. You look like these teams that are cut like the Jets that are constantly wielding these coaches in and out. The Lakers, I mean, get this. In the last 15 years, you've had Kobe Bryant and LeBron James on the rosters. Anthony Davis. And you you are looking for your sixth coach in 10 years. Yeah, last 10 years, you've had Kobe and LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you've, like, been losing. It shows you about culture. It shows you what they're doing in Philly. Hey, and get this. I started out the show by saying this is how we have too much power. That's how we have too much power. We'll ask Tony Bruno this question. How about the, hey, Doc Rivers going to Los Angeles? I heard that. I heard that. Okay? I heard LeBron likes Doc Rivers. Oh, let's do this. I forgot to tell you guys. Um, Doc Rivers is going to be coming on the show um, next week. He's with his family on vacation. I talked to Doc Rivers uh, yesterday. 
I don't even know what it says. What does it say? I can't show you the message totally because it's got his phone number there. It says this. Awesome, Doc. Knowing you since Dr. Phillips. He's down in Orlando right now. He's got it. where he's got his house. See that? Doc Rivers. There's Seth. And so Seth, um, Doc Rivers is going to join us next week. And we're going to talk to him. Known Doc since he coached in Orlando when he was coaching that Magic team. We called it the heart and hustle team. I don't know how we got that team to the postseason. They were not very good. It was after the Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal debacle where they just started dumping the team and, and the DeVosses wanted to just get everybody out of there. And so they got rid of everyone, Nick Anderson, Shaquille. They got rid of and, – and Doc was hired. It was I think that's Doc's first gig. Okay, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was Doc Rivers' first head coaching job. We used to play golf a lot. He and I used to go play golf. I'd meet him on a Friday after my morning show, and I'd go over there, drive over from Tampa, and my show was on in Orlando as well. And we would drive over, and Doc Rivers and I would go play golf. I think we did it like twice a month for like, I don't know, three years. I really, I, I, I like Doc. I know Doc's getting a lot of heat when it comes to um, coaching the Sixers. Hey, I think it's an ownership deal. And so we're going to talk to Doc. That'll be that'll be sometime next week, hopefully early next week. Oh, we're going to yell. That's why we're getting him on. If he enjoys coaching Joel Embiid, what, what are they going to do with James Harden? What are they going to do by adding pieces and components? What does he think of the NBA Finals? Remember, Doc was a pretty good analyst for ESPN too, man. Okay? Yeah, I don't get that vibe. I don't get that vibe. The Sixers are one of the great franchises in NBA. I don't get that. Okay? If Doc Rivers can work for Donald Sterling, Doc Rivers is going to work anywhere. So we'll, we'll, we'll save that until um, – Next week there. All right. Here are my five candidates to be the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I got five of them. Number five, Trayvon Walker. Edge rusher, Jaguars. From what I'm understanding and what they're doing down in Jacksonville, they're going to move him all around the defensive line, and they're going to utilize his speed and strength. They're not setting him up. You know, all the things that Micah Parsons did last year, what was the one thing you thought Dallas did that was a mistake? Having him in coverage. You're not going to see Trayvon Walker at all in any coverage. Maybe occasionally a tight end. But you're not going to see that in any way whatsoever like that when it comes to Trayvon. They're going to move him up and down the line of scrimmage. Okay? And they're going to put him in a position to succeed. So his numbers are going to look good. And know this. Because of the three and outs on offense, you may see a lot of defensive plays, which means what? More opportunities. 
And that's why when you look at some of these guys here, they're not on the best teams. They're going to get more opportunity to play defense. Look, if you've got if you play on the Bucks, Tom Brady's going to have 70 plays. He's going to have 70 plays, 65 plays. You're probably on the other side, probably going to get 55 plays. Okay. 18% of those are on first and second down. So you're talking about 20% of the plays are going to be on first and second down. Pass rushing, when you're on a Tom Brady team, you're not going to get an opportunity to get a lot of opportunities to make big sacks and opportunities for you to do things here. You're just not. Okay? You're just not. Okay? So, oh, I've got to send this. Sorry to edit right here. Nick Sills. We'll do WFAN Wednesday. Carton just asked me to go on fan. So we're going to do that. They want to talk Eagles. <laughs> hey, nobody care. Big Seals is going to be a Pied Piper in New York City on Wednesday for you guys. I know. I'm, you know. Number four. Ahmad Gardner, cornerback, Jets. Could be the best defensive football player. Okay? In the draft. Could be the best. Number three, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Jaguars. The Jags are going to have two candidates as defensive rookies of the year on their group this year. And the number one player who I think will be the defensive rookie of the year candidate will be Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher Giants. From what I'm hearing, O.C. Omanura was watching him, and so was Justin Tuck. And again, it's helmets and shorts. Um, they say he looks spectacular. And he they think he could go after Lawrence Taylor's rookie uh, sack record of nine and a half. And they think he can break that thing. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, I've got the kid. The number two kid is the kid in Buffalo, Kyer Elam. Cornerback Bills. I've got Devin Lloyd, linebacker Jaguars. I've got Gardner, cornerback Jets. And Walker Edge. I got to say, awesome, brother. Hey, Zach, Sydney. Um, I got Dean in the top 10. I'm saying top five. I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get yet until I find out how they're going to use him. I kind of know how they're going to use him. They're moving Walker around. Same thing with Lloyd. They're going to switch these guys all around. 
they're going to get a ton more opportunities because their team sucks. These guys are going to get a chance to put big stats up, 10 sacks, 11 sacks, 9 sacks. Dude, if you get in a 14-play drive with Jalen Hurts, watch this. If the, if the Eagles are running the ball, say the Eagles are running the ball, and they're running it effectively. They're running it 38 times. Blow out a team like they did the Saints. The chances of N'Kobe Dean having a stat sheet is this. Four tackles, batted pass, a deflected pass. You don't have the chances. These Look, Giants, Bills, I think this kid Elam is good, this cornerback. Jaguars, Jets. Seth, I think Jordan Davis is going to be a player that's going to be a good football player in about two years. I think he'll have an impact, Seth, this year. But, Seth, I would say, watch this. I would say Jordan Davis, here's his, here's his numbers. 42 tackles, three sacks. Um, five TFLs. Something like that. Okay. By the way, I'm not suggesting to you that Nicobe Dean is not going to be on the defense. It's going to make it to the playoffs. I've already told you his defense, and he's going to be the catalyst of helping a football team win the NFC. So, you know, when we're talking about impactful numbers, Dean may not have it. And help, some of his stuff may be hidden because watch this. Do we agree, guys? Who do you think is going to be more productive this year? The linebacking core, the Eagles, or the front seven? Or no, I should say the front four because front seven is linebackers too. But who do you who do you think is going to make more impactful plays? That front four or the linebacking core? And remember, Hassan Reddick is going to be used as a situational pass rusher. He's not going to be used like a traditional linebacker. You think the linebackers with Kaiser White and with Dean are going to be the – so wait a minute. you got $30 million, guys, wrapped up in your two defensive tackles, and you're telling me your linebacking core is going to make more plays than the two guys combined are making 30? Wow. Wow. That's a fundamental mistake, and I have an issue with that. Why the hell did you pay Fletcher Cox 14 for then? Why'd you do that? Milton Williams could have did the same shit. I mean, that would be a problem for me. If the defensive line is not making more plays, your pass rush... Your corner, you've got corner, the cornerback play is not going to help your linebacking core. The cornerback play is going to help your front four. Gives you more time in a pass rush. Reddick, Reddick's numbers, he could have 12 and a half sacks this year because of the addition of James Bradbury. Okay. They paid him not knowing what to expect from Gannon. 
Well, then why did you resign Fletcher Cox at 14-4? I'm not resigning a guy at 14-4 if he's not going to have an impact. Why would I do that? Why would I run a 34 when I don't have your linebacking core? It's not the strength of your defense. Your front four and your back end now with your corner play. Okay. Is now a part of your strength, your linebacker. What? Because you think the Kobe Dean's been added. That's a good addition, but there's three dudes. And then a 43, four dudes. You don't have four linebackers to make impactful plays from sideline to sideline. Why would I take dudes off my front four when I got guys that are in my roster that can make this Milton Williams kid can play. Hardgrave can play. Reddick is an outside rusher. Sweat can play. Why are you taking my best players off the field and putting marginal guys in there? Chris is right, man. Your foundation right now where you're going to make plays, you got to make plays in your pass rush. Can you name me a linebacker that plays for the Rams? Can anybody name me an all-pro, all-star linebacker that plays for the Rams? Name me an all-star linebacker that plays in Kansas City. Name me an all-star linebacker that plays in San Francisco. These guys are all in the line. And if they're a linebacker, they're a rush backer. Bobby Wagner just got traded. The Kobe Dean will be on the field every snap. D-line will rotate. Dean's stats will be the best. I don't see how you see that. And by the way, I would have a problem with that. My front four, I've invested all that money and all that equity in. I just gave a guy $45 million, 10 a year, to rush the passer. I just drafted a guy in the first round, 13. I got a guy making 14 and another guy making 12. And you're telling me that the linebackers are going to make more plays. Good grief. Maybe on run plays. Okay, because the good D-line play, scraping the line of scrimmage, going to make first and second down plays. Okay, but pass rush, dude, if my linebackers are making plays on the pass rush, we got problems. That means we're not getting to the ball. Chris, I think I think Dean's going to have a spectacular year. I just don't think he's going to be put in the position that people think he's going to be put in. Look, who do you think – has to make there's there, here. Let me rank you the best players on your defense. Maybe that's the way we go here. Okay. The best players on your defense. These are just my opinion. Hassan Reddick. Darius Slay. Hardgrave? 
How many sacks did he have last year? Ten? How many sacks did he have last year, Hardgrave? Hassan Reddick, Darius Slay, Hardgrave, James Bradbury. He had six. Fifth best, I'll put Nicobe Dean there. <clears throat> Against my better judgment. Um, Jordan Davis at six or Milton Williams. Who who would you put there at six? I got Hassan Reddick, Darius Slay, Hardgrave. Oh, Fletcher. Who would you put at seven? Milton? Or Jordan Davis? Brandy Graham. Man. Though counting on him is like a nightmare. Sec, what, what what we're talking about here is, you know, I I I name my rookie of the year defensively candidates for the league, and I don't have the Kobe Dean in there. I'm saying that the strength of the Eagles is in the D line. It's not in the linebacking core. When's the last time the Eagles had a strong linebacking core like ever? Okay? Like ever. You got to go back when Trotter was playing. Okay, right? You got to go back with Trotter. I'm going to put Jordan Davis here. Then I'm going to put Milton. I probably should do it differently. So, Hassan Reddick, Darius Slay, Hardgrave. James Bradbury, one linebacker, Nicobe Dean, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. You guys think you have a linebacking core that's going to lead your team? I, I, I don't I don't see where you're coming from. And I would even make an argument that sweat hasn't even been mentioned here. And then you put Brandon Graham in the conversation. Then you do Kaiser White. Then you start talking about more of the linebackers. Then you put Marcus, help Marcus Sapps could probably be nine. Okay. And Sweat is underrated. Sweat had seven and a half sacks last year. Hey, Seth, now there's a difference there. There's a difference there when we're talking about, hey, I think this kid, Dean, because of what the analytics say about him, and what he did at Georgia, what he looks like at the combines, what they're saying about him in the mini camps, that's fair. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to shoot you for that. Okay. But let's see also the wild card in this, how Jonathan Gannon puts this kid in a position. The line, would we agree that the linebackers last year were like non-existent? In any conversation, when it came to Philadelphia Eagle defense, it was non-existent. And have they upgraded? 
yes, mightily. The kid White is going to make plays. Dean's going to make plays. But the strength of your football team is now at corner and in your front four. And it's got to coincide. You can't be 31st and pass rush. You know, and, and we were bringing this up before, too. No, TJ Edwards wasn't terrible. He was like every other linebacker in the NFL. The linebacking position in the NFL, it's not a paid position. I'm not spending a boatload of money on a linebacker ever again. Here's the positions I'm paying. And I've told you guys this. I'm paying on quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, cornerback, and edge rusher. The rest of them dudes, I just want to get good players like Marcus Epps in there. Those are my premium positions that I have to pay. Maybe a tight end if you want to throw tight end in there. See, Kelsey's talking about having the tight ends having the same kind of impact now money-wise as the White House. Okay? We're efforting our friend Tony Bruno. Hopefully, we're going to be able to catch up with him. Um, don't forget, tomorrow, Seth Joyner will join us. We'll talk with him. And Brian Westbrook is going to join us also on Wednesday, I believe that is, too. Hit the like button. Thank you so much for coming aboard. I appreciate it. Um, Fred Warner, Niners, these aren't giant paid guys anymore. You're not seeing linebackers breaking the bank any longer. You're just not. Um, linebackers are worth more than running backs but not by much in terms of value. But a star linebacker can change your whole defense. I guess. I guess. So the Bears get Khalil Mack and do nothing with him. The Raiders take the draft choices and now are a contender in the AFC. Okay? Even with the chaos in the organization. They dump. Remember the conversation, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, both of those guys paying big money too? Okay? So you, you have to look at how they're going to utilize this. All right, we're going to take a time out here, but I, before I do that, I want to be able to, because I'm going to try to find Tony Bruno and get my friend and see if we can uh, have him jump aboard with us here. Don't forget Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free. Know this, flat out. If you're hurt or injured on the job, finding an attorney has to be one of the most important things that you could possibly do for you and your family. When it comes to getting that fair compensation, nobody does it better than Morgan & Morgan. And for the people, folks, this is not just a slogan. This is who they are. Past 30 years, Morgan & Morgan, has brought in $13.5 billion for their clients when it comes to compensation settlements. Casualty firms, there's nobody like it or bigger than Morgan & Morgan. With over 800 attorneys throughout offices in Philadelphia, New York, Florida, and across the country, the army of attorneys that Morgan & Morgan has to battle for you is second to none, like I said. Size matters. And by the way, there's no such thing as a fender bender when it comes to Morgan & Morgan. This is what they do. This is who they are. All right, listen. 
The consultation is free, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The consultation is free, 800-512-1600. Open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do me a favor. When you call Morgan & Morgan, tell them Big Sill sent you. After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case and might say it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS. Not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. For the people.com. on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mommy Slam Dunk Champion. Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, oh, Mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. National Football Show. Big Sills here. By the way, if we don't get Tony Bruno today, I'm sure he'll jump on with Seth Joyner tomorrow. So all good here. If we don't get him today, 
I know that he's probably running behind. He hasn't been feeling all that great. He did do Angelo last week. I want to hit on him with that. So we will have Tony Bruno either last couple minutes of the show here, or we will do that tomorrow. Real quick here, I want to throw this at you here. So one of my favorite coaches of all time is Steve Spurrier. And Spurrier was asked a question about um, Nick Saban and some of the things he said about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, which he really wasn't saying anything. He was talking more about the nil law and how it's going to impact college football. Okay. All right. He, he, he's not. Okay. But, you know, flat out here, know this. Spurrier is right in his comments. Okay. I didn't think he said anything wrong. One of the greatest coaches when it comes to talking trash, Steve Spurrier. Real quick, before we bring on Tony Bruno here, Spurrier used to have a radio show, and he used to do this. He used to be circling in. This guy called in from Zephyr Hills. Hey, this is Bob Smith from Zephyr Hills. Hey, how come you don't run enough halfback option plays? Oh, Spurrier would start circling there, looking over at Mick Hubert and go like this to him. Well, I'll tell you what there, Bob from Zephyr Hills. You keep fanning and I'll keep coaching. Let's keep it like the way it is, all right? We good? All right. One of the highest rated shows you can ever have. Horrible programming, but it was awesome because Spurrier told it like it was. And speaking of telling it like it is, there is nobody better than my friend Tony Bruno, and here he is right now. Tony, first and foremost, brother, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, Dan. Thanks a lot. It's been... About a month now, but I'm not able to go outside. I was out in the sun yesterday. You can see I got a nice golden tan going. I was out, you know, working outside, uh, plowing the lower 30 or 40, whatever you plow right now. I was drinking a 40, but I was plowing the lower 30, and I was outside. And I love warm weather, as you know, Dan. That's why I'm moving to Florida when my house is built. But I love the summertime. I love the warm weather. I don't care if it's hot. People complain about the heat, but it's not the heat. It's the stupidity, I think, that gets people all the time, as I've been saying for decades. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Hey, Tone, the reason I wanted you, I, I, I listened to that, that whole segment with you and Angelo. I mean, Tone, the whole deal with, you know, how you guys really started really one of the greatest shows in Philadelphia sports history. How about in sports history when you're talking you, Angelo, Morgani, I believe, was also – I used to listen to – Tone, when I used to come down to Wildwood, nickel beer night, we'd oh. be sitting there driving down, <laughs> having a great time. I'm getting hammered on a dollar bill, and we're listening to you guys. What a great show that was, what you guys did back in the day. Well, thanks, Dan. No, it's no longer a nickel. It's $5 beer night now, and that's when it's on sale. That's when, instead of getting a, beer, a nickel of beer where you can get 20 for a dollar, now you can only get one, but it's $5 until they throw you out, and then you go sleep under the boardwalk because you can't afford to get back into your car. You can't find your car because it's been towed away because there's no place to park in Wildwood, and, <laughs> and then you don't have money to pay for gas to drive the hell back home to Philly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Tony, those were those were just some of the greatest times that station. Tom Bigby was the program director. You know, he used to he used to have this line on from what guys used to tell me like yourself, like you couldn't have like people on over. I from, from what I'm doing now, talking to people in Philly and doing this, folks, what you don't realize, Tony and all the hosts at IP used to have this red light. And if they had you guys on too long, 
the program director used to get in their asses and tell them to get off. There's no way, no way you follow that rule. <laughs> well, you know, Angelo, as you know, and the people that don't know WIP and Philly, you know, Fan in New York was really the WFAM was the first sports talk station. But they didn't have all sports all the time. I mean, they had Imus in the morning, who obviously didn't talk much sports. And then they had some great talent. And obviously, Mike and the Mad Dog blew up in New York. And a lot of people listened to him all over the country. But then WIP was really the second major sports station. And when they flipped to sports, they went all sports because they had the Flyers and the Sixers. And, you know, so people were listening for the nighttime sports content were the teams that they had. And then they, in the morning, they wanted to put a show together, you know, that could be, that could compete with, remember that that's back when Howard Stern was put on in Philly from New York in the mornings. And so Howard Stern was on, there were some other really powerful local morning zoo type shows, but not sports. There was no sports show. So what we did is we, tr we treated sports and Tom Bigby to his credit, he treated sports radio like a music station. He thought the callers were records, and if the you know if the record was too long and people didn't want to hear it, they would tune out and go to another station. So one of the things that I admired about Tom Bigby was that he knew sports radio should be treated like any other radio station. If you keep something on too long, people are going to tune out. So I get it. What he did worked. He and, and Angelo really had big problems. I didn't have any problems with Tom because he hired me as a radio guy, and those two guys were newspaper guys. So we all work well together. You know, it's, we're talking 30. It's hard to believe it was 30 years ago, Dan. Wow. And those guys are still going strong. And I know Angelo's going to retire soon. And I've been telling him every time I talk to him, man, you got to retire. He's had some health problems. You know, I have recent health problems. Again, he loves doing it. But he now wants to finally walk away and enjoy whatever life he has left. And, and so some people will do it that long. You know, I'm only doing I'm dabbling right now with my no filter show. And so people are, oh, you want all with Angelo. Does that mean you're going to replace him at the end of the year when he retires? No, I'm not looking to start doing this all over again. I'm going to be 70 years old in a couple of weeks. Am I decrepit and too old to do anything? No. Luckily, my mind is still sharp. But doing a morning show in this day and age, you know, the one thing about sports, and you know this, sports, you just can't get up in the morning and just fall into a studio or do it from home and not be prepared, especially in a town like Philly. If you don't know what's happening in sports, if you don't know what's going on, people can hear it and they will call your ass out. You can't fake sports talk. You know, you can go on to give opinions about politics and make stuff up all the time. But when you're doing a sports talk radio show, it's like still being in school. You have to do your homework every night. Even if you don't go to the games, you better be ready to talk about the controversial play, the manager making a mistake, taking the picture pitcher out too early. That's what the basis of sports talk radio is. And if you do it in an entertaining fashion, you know, it's even better, in my opinion. Don't you agree, Tone, that radio is a dying breed today because guys like yourself, Angelo, to an extent, um, I don't mean to throw myself into you guys' room, but I've been doing it for 28 years yep. myself. And it just seems to me, I don't want to sit around with a program director who's 14 years old having to explain to him what I meant by this term or what I meant by that. And what you do is it's taking the entertainment really away from people. Instead, you're giving people nuts and bolts. You're more of a person that's a salesperson, especially if you have that team that's on that radio station. You can't say anything negative any longer because those teams will call, advertisers yep. will call, and there's more people with a say in radio 
And that's a shame because the true programmers, like you were talking about, Tom Bigby, they've taken the entertainment value away from radio. And that's why what we're doing, the no filter, what you're doing, um, these new platforms give us that. Do you think that's why you're seeing the, uh, the newspaper industry being annihilated and to some extent the radio industry being annihilated by these new platforms? Well, I just read that ESPN, where I worked for 10 years, you know, helped start that network. And you and I out in Los Angeles at Fox, you know, those really took a lot of jobs away. I'm not proud to say that I cost people jobs, but I just did. You know, I was out there working and, and these networks became important parts of the day. And they still are for a lot of stations now more so than ever, because a lot of the smaller stations, they're not going to go out and hire a morning show and put the resources in to try to do it right. They're going to flip a switch and take ESPN or Fox or whatever else is out there. And so can you blame them in this environment? Same thing with newspapers. I mean, I get emails every day from newspapers like the New York Times and the San Francisco Chronicle and even the Athletic saying for one dollar, you can have two months of unlimited you know, coverage when they're when they can't when they're when they're telling you that you can get online content, which is where most people get it now from major newspapers and some of your favorite columnists, and you say, we'll give it to you for, it was one was eight weeks. Was it what? It was the Washington Post, eight weeks for $1. So you, you're the Washington Post and you want people to basically pay a penny, 1.6 cents a day to get your content. What does that say about the state of media? It's not something that makes me happy. I don't like to see anybody lose their jobs, Dan. But the bottom line is there's so much content out there and there's people who do things on their own like you and I, you know, and I work with No Filter and, and they have people in there like Jeremy Roenick you know, and Eric Burns. These are guys who worked in media, former athletes who got tired of dealing with companies that would not let them do what they were hired to do and try to turn them into something that they're not. And that's when I really soured on radio. But you know what? If people want to get into it and do it. It's hard. I mean, if people think they're going to make seven figures or six figures anymore, they're very few and far between now. The, the Angelo Cataldi's of the world and the Mike and the Mad Dogs and those guys, you know, who are doing local radio, not network, local radio, making that kind of money. No those way. days are long gone. Absolutely. you got to string jobs together nowadays if you're going to make any kind of living doing this. Tone, I want to ask you something here. And to what you were just saying about how the media today, I mean, you, you basically have to temper some of the things you're saying. I'm going to say something here and get this. If you said this, if you said this seven months ago or maybe even a year ago or maybe January 20th when Biden got in to the White House, you would have been in front of your program director or you could have even had your YouTube um, channel shut down. Mm -hmm. Here, here, the Atlanta um, voting laws that were enacted by voters in Georgia, okay, where everyone said, including the president of the United States, Jim Crow 2.0, oh my God, this will be the worst thing. They have record turnout. Yep. Now, there are record turnout, and yet you have Major League Baseball yanking the All-Star game out of Atlanta, putting it in a tougher, restricted voter state in Colorado, but nobody says anything about it. And by the way, when you're proven wrong, Tony – there's no accountability. You and me, if we had a story, we used to go by the old premise, hey, you got to have a couple sources before you start talking shit on someone. Now, it's like this. If I'm wrong, fuck it. I'll just move on. I won't say anything about yeah. it. And get this, there's no accountability. How do you get away with something like that? 
And baseball has to wonder why they lost some of their their audience in the worst-rated All-Star game is because you did that shenanigans? There's exactly. no accountability. And, and you know who should be take the brunt of this? But they won't because you can't criticize people because especially people like Stacey Abrams, you know, a black woman who thinks she won the last election, and now she's got a chance to win a, an election with, with tons of people turning out, and people turned out. But you're right. If anyone is more responsible and the people in Atlanta should be mad, not at sports talk host or not at Major League Baseball. They be, should be mad at Stacey Abrams for costing the city of Atlanta millions and millions of dollars with this lying, full of crap narrative that Atlanta, and she even said it today. She came out and said, Atlanta's not a great place to live. It's a, you know, how can you, you want to be the governor of Georgia? And you were saying how your city is not a, is a great place to live, but not a great place to work. And then people are going to vote her as governor. And you know what? You get what you vote for. And the fact that she cost her city a major sporting event in this day and age, you know, when, first of all, coming off a pandemic, people were finally Henry, going hey, back Hank to the Aaron, ballpark, hey, right? Tony, Hank Aaron dying that year. You pull the all-star yep. game out of Atlanta and the year Henry Aaron passes away, even yeah. more obnoxious. Yeah, you basically hurt your own economy in a city, you know, that, that has a lot of people who are struggling. And then you have people coming back to the ballparks last year when this happened. And they couldn't go to the they couldn't go into that beautiful new park they have in Atlanta where the Braves play. And they couldn't even go in there for an all-star game. You talk, if, if this had happened in corporate America instead of politics, she would have been fired. Anybody who made an absolutely idiotic and, and devastating decision like that would have been fired and never gotten a job again. But when you're a political person and you have a narrative, you can get away with it. With our tax dollars, you can spend them any way you want because they're not accountable to anyone, especially the taxpayers who keep them in office and pay their salaries, man. It's crazy. Tony, here, one last one here for you. I saw you do something with Deadspin, and I'm so happy. But, Tone, you and me, we don't – traditionally, we wouldn't give those guys the time of day. Mm -hmm. But yet they're on social media. They, they have these areas. You say something about LeBron James sarcastically. Everyone mm -hmm. knows your work for the last 40 years sarcastically. This guy comes out so he can get clickbait, and he says this. Oh, I see. Buffalo people killed, black people killed, and white people are celebrating watching the NBA. And I went, I'm not even sure how to plug that in. And yet guys like that, they 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 throw stones at us, Tone. And you're yep. like, dude, you're a race baiter. You see Stephen yep. A. Smith, a race bait. I, is it just, Tony, that it's systematically they just pick and choose who they no, want what to it is, is Deadspin, first of all, as you know, was, was sued out of existence by – by uh, by what's his name down there in Tampa? The rest Hogan. of it. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan pretty much put them out of business when they ran all these stories about his daughter a few years ago, and he sued them into oblivion. And they all got fired, and they're all gone. So what happens? Somebody comes in with a couple of bucks and says, "Let's bring on. Let's bring Deadspin back." And then they hire a bunch of out of work, no talent hacks whose only way to get ink in the world of all these narrative-induced race hustlers and people who are trying to divide us, what they do is let's go out and, and blame the white man 
for everything. And then the most preposterous one, as you mentioned, was this writer saying that people, that white people who obviously love the NBA and fill arenas all over the country in a sport that is predominantly African-American, all of a sudden are celebrating some mentally deranged kid who slipped through the cracks because all the warning signs were there, but they decided not to do something. And then all of a sudden it's white people watching NBA games who are the ones that are, that are hypocrites. This, this is so la- how anybody like that could be allowed to even read a newspaper, let alone write commentary. It just shows you how low we've sunk and how desperate people are for clicks, especially the ones that involve race and everything's about white supremacy and everything else. And yet they have no evidence to produce that it's a ma- major problem. And they, all they have to do is open their eyes and look at what's happening in this country. They're doing it for one reason, because they want people to get angry enough to go out and vote for an absolutely incompetent government system right now that can't even put baby food. We have to go out to Germany to get baby formula. Remember when everybody used to come to a, for America to get stuff? Now we have to go begging to Venezuela for oil to Germany for baby formula, and that's cool. People can't afford to go on a summer vacation this year because of gas prices, airline prices, rental car prices, but that's okay because, you know, this guy's in charge. Does anybody, seriously, can you name one person, and I'm not a political guy, I'm not, I'm not even a Republican, but to just sit there and defend, Biden had to walk back his latest comment in Japan where he says, well, you know, if, 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 if the China attacks Taiwan, we'll go in there and use military force. And then within seconds, they had to run back out there because China's saying, what? We got a guy who's going to get us into the third world war with his reckless comments because he says stuff because he wants to be a tough guy. And then the White House has to walk it back because China said, what? <laughs> so you can't, you can't be putting people... You can't keep sending our kids to war in Somalia and in Ukraine and then go out there and try to be a tough guy and say, we'll kick China's ass if they invade, you know, because if they go and invade Taiwan. With what? Ridiculous. With what? You're going to take kids and put them out there, risk American lives. You know how many, mil- you know how many, you know how many soldiers and equipment the Chinese have? You think we militarily can take on China? And who wants to? No, no, nobody wants to. By the way, I'll tell people this. Bruno and I aren't white. We're Italian. So exactly. I don't, I don't. I'm Sicilian. I'm Sicilian. So I guarantee yeah. you, if I did one of those 23 and me things, I have more African blood in me than many of these people who claim to be Africans. Many of these people who claim to be Africans wouldn't last a week in Africa. Yeah. They wouldn't last a week in Africa. They have no clue what real people in Africa go through. And they're, they're bragging about, hey, yeah, I'm tough. I'm, I'm a descendant of slaves. You don't have anybody in your five generations of your family who had yeah. anything to do with slavery, just like I don't have anybody or you don't have anybody that's ever been remotely alive who had anything to do with slavery. So it's just it's a tired right. political ploy just to get people fired up to go vote for these assholes. <laughs> it's an outrage, Tony. <laughs> I, I love you, my friend. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to hear that you're in good health. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Dan. You got it, man. That's my friend, Tony Bruno. All right, tomorrow, Seth Joyner will join us. Interesting conversation with my friend. That's why they say Tony Bruno. You never know what you're going to get with him here. Love that conversation. Please hit the like button. We'll catch you tomorrow going 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll see you on the flip side.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.